1: Biden is officially backing away from the mask enforcement on airlines after a court ruling struck it down. Now, the funny thing is, earlier today at the press briefing, the, uh, Jen Seki was actually asked about this, and she's like, well, we're still gonna recommend it. And when Peter Ducey was like, you know, why, why would you recommend masks, but here in this room, we don't gotta wear them, she's like, are you a doctor, Peter? Are you a doctor? I'm not a doctor. And then Peter, I think he said, and and I don't play one, nor do I play one on TV. haha, ha. But it's really funny. That's like going to be the go to answer now for anything ever in politics is that you don't actually have any expertise. So you can't answer any questions. But here we go. It's actually big news. Uh, now, apparently, if you want to fly, if you're ready to fly right now, they're saying they're not enforcing it. So it's going to be a shock to a lot of uh, flight attendants and pilots when people all just take their masks off, throw them in the air like it's graduation. I wonder how many people are still going to actually keep their masks on. We got other news, too. Alex Jones reportedly filed for bankruptcy, but he's saying he didn't actually file for bankruptcy. He's filing for Chapter 11 reorganization, but now it's just framing because that's still under bankruptcy laws. But he's saying he's doing this so that the feds can look at his books to see that he's not hiding any money, which is interesting. We'll get into all that stuff. Plus, we got a bunch of crazy stories. Ron DeSantis, he's, he's pulling, uh, Florida pulled a whole bunch of math books because they had critical race theory in them. And the left is freaking out. But the question is, why do math books have critical race theory in them? Hmm. Mm. Anyway, some other interesting news. John Stewart's new show has flopped. <laughs> Good. get <laughs> wo- Go broke. There it is. So we'll talk about all of that. Joining us today is Braxton McCoy.
2: Thanks for having me, Tim. Would you uh, like to introduce yourself? Sure. I am a horse trainer, author of this book, The Glass Factory, about getting wounded in Iraq and then coming home and starting over. And I also run this program called The Bunkhouse where... We bring people in and teach them skills, first aid skills, field medical stuff. We take them hunting, uh, backcountry stuff, just kind of like trying to teach the skills that appreciate over time. We're kind of like almost like the grandpa some people needed to have when they were younger, but just doing it for them as an adult.
1: Oh, right on. Glad to have you, man. I'll just mention, too, um, we have a a headphone exception for Cowboy Hats. That's (laughs) That's right. (laughs) John Rich last week. Thank you. (laughs) God bless (laughs) you, John. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Right on. And we're hanging out with Brett Dasovic.
3: How's it going, everybody? I am uh, Brett Daswick, the host of Pop Culture Crisis. We actually just finished uh, filming the 100th episode today, Whoa, and that will come out tomorrow. So I am uh, hope you guys check that out, and I'm glad to be here.
1: YouTube.com slash popculturecrisis, one of the new shows from TimCast.com.
4: Yes.
5: We got Ian. Hi, hey, everybody. We're back. And it feels good to be home, I'll tell you that. I rolled an 81 if it means anything to you on the (laughs) 100-sided die, so let's get rolling.
4: Very cool. I am very glad to be back here with my familiar cameras. Hopefully, I don't make any more camera mistakes or mic mistakes. Hopefully, uh, our next trip will be much smoother. I'm really looking forward to that already.
1: And uh, before we get started, I just want to uh, have a a moment of silence for all of our uh, business owners today today. Because it is tax day and Oof. I'm sure all of you have been collectively punched in the gut F. when, uh, your accountants came back and said, Oh, here's what you owe. And you're like, <laughs> Oh man, it's a brutal day, isn't it? You know, it's funny because, you know, I'm, I'm dreading tax day because like, you know, you've got to set money aside. And then when my accountant comes back and they're like, there's the damage. And I'm just like, wow, think about how much stuff we could do, but hmm. now I'm going to give all that money to the government so they can go blow up kids and stuff like <laughs> that. And I'm just like, oh. there's a bunch of stuff they do wrong with our tax dollars, but hey, How about that? But don't forget, if you want to support us directly, head over to TimCast.com and become a member. In the top right, you can see sign up. Sign up. As a member, you get access to exclusive members-only segments of this show. We will have that members-only show coming up at 11 p.m. tonight at TimCast.com. It's Monday through Thursday. But here's the important thing. All of our journalists, they are working every day to fact-check and verify stories and make sure we're giving you legitimate, up-to-date information, real True stories and we're breaking down the manipulations from the media. We do our best. We're not perfect. But we don't sell these stories. We just put them up. That means in order to keep these journalists employed, we rely on memberships. So basically what we do is this show, we offer the members only stuff. You guys sign up for that. We use those funds to hire a bunch of journalists to do this work. Hopefully for many of you, the work is good enough. We have on the ground reporters like Elad Eliyahu and uh, working on more stuff looking to expand a documentary. So just keep that in mind too that you know, your membership is keeping all of these journalists employed. And if you think that that news is important and the way we, we are, we are presenting the news and, and reporting the news is important. Your membership goes a long way and we greatly support it. Share these stories. If you think we're doing a good job of reporting them. Now let's jump to the first big story, which is not from TimCast.com; It's from the Daily Mail. Biden administration says TSA will not enforce masks on planes due to a court ruling after Saki said, I'm not a doctor. When asked why face coverings are still recommended, you know, I, so this is this is it right now. Uh, we have a, we have a quote here, I suppose. That today's court decision means CDC public transportation masking order is not in effect at this time, an admin official said. I don't know. I don't know what that means. If you're maybe maybe you're in an airport right now and you're listening on your headphones, you're about to board your plane and they're telling you you still got to wear your mask. I honestly have no idea. Maybe you can show them this and be like, hey, I'm watching live right now. They're saying I don't got to wear a mask. Well, that's what the TSA said, but these private airlines might still want to enforce masks. So we'll see. But I just think it's absolutely hilarious that we're, we're at this point now where uh, during the White House press briefing, Jen Psaki is like, regardless of the federal court ruling, we're still recommending masks. And and then when Peter Ducey says, why, why are you recommending masks if we don't have to wear masks here in the White House? And her answer was, I'm not a doctor. Are you a doctor?
5: And it's like, is it, that's that's the go-to response from now on, right, for anything? You can also read it like, why are you saying I still need to wear masks? And she's like, because I'm not a doctor. And I can... So I can. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. That's yeah. gross. Yeah. I have no idea what I'm talking about. That's why. Yeah.
3: It will, be it will be the go to it will be the go to answer for everything every time something happens in the economy i'm i'm not an economist i have mm-hmm. no idea uh anytime uh, the jobs report enters, enters like enters up you know lower than normal I'll be like i don't know i i'm not a job recruiter i have no idea
1: why are gas prices so high uh, are you a petroleum engineer i'm, no. No. I'm not a petroleum engineer <laughs> uh,
6: okay
2: yeah i think it points to how they're all technocrats at heart though mm. you know like that's, like the whole thing is this, this, this pivot to expertise is because they want to control and manage everything top down. So they're like, well, I'm not the person that can manage that top down. I'm just like a part of this technocratic team and that's not like my position or whatever. But Was
1: there like a memo that went out when Katanji Brown Jackson was asked to define woman and she's like, I'm not a biologist. And then all of a sudden some Democrat strategist went, oh,
4: that's, it. that's it. That's the ticket. And then he's
1: like, he writes the memo up from now on. This is what we do. I am not. Insert specialty. But how do you guys feel about the masks? I mean, what, is this? what does this mean? Is this the end of tyranny, or is it's this like a It's a, a step thing? in the right
5: direction. The United States isn't – it's not here because of, of a fake trash constitution or country or people. We did this real, for real to get to this place, and this is an example of the American law working. I think masks personally are disgusting. I don't know if that's what you were asking about how I feel about masks. Feeling the sweat and stick on my face after five hours on a plane of breathing – talking about recirculated air – yeah. Uh, I, I just could never fathom, I really understand how that was should have been better for me. Well, Ian came upstairs and he was like, "Masks, no more masks." So I saw, <laughs> yeah. it was like dancing <laughs> in, right. like teachers letting you go home with no homework or something. Yeah, that's what it felt like. It really feels like that, and that's silly. That's like they're gaslighting us to feel like that. I think gaslight's the right word because I shouldn't be celebrating back yeah. to normalcy. I should just be expecting it and ready for it.
2: I mean, ultimately, you got to remember this is going to be enforced by a TSA employee and those people are uh, on average uh, retarded? Can I use that word? I or don't a, know. I,
1: can, I think they consider it a, a slur now. Okay, no.
2: okay. Oh, my bad. I mean, <laughs> they're a, <laughs> slur they're in uh, general our slurs. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like one mentally, time I
1: mentally deficient. There you go. Or okay, s- there you go. I like it's, that. It's it's more. It, it sounds smarter. It's a scientific <laughs> yeah. term
5: for behavior, though. Like retard. The word itself is to mean slow. Yeah, and yeah. You can you, if you don't call
1: people I, names and
5: stuff.
2: Directly, I I meant to slur, of, but, but, the, but I, I think, just real
1: quick. I think mentally deficient is more offensive. Yeah. 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 Like it's because they're too dumb to get it. Well. no it's just like you're a like you're you're trying to make it sound smarter or like there's something wrong with them yeah I mean
2: one time I was flying uh, back home from San Jose I was at a speaking gig and I had a t-shirt on that had a grenade on it and this dude at TSA was like do you think you should be wearing that to the airport? I was like, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> he said, do you think that's appropriate? And I said, do you think you should be giving me fashion advice? Like, aren't you supposed to be, like, looking at my bag
3: or something? <laughs> like, the- can't can't- say bomb an airplane. TSA yeah. is
2: interesting. I, I'm from the
5: pre-9-11 era, and there was no TSA. It was very it felt very authoritarian and weird when they created that mm-hmm. after 9-11. And then when you find out there weren't weapons of mass destruction in the Middle East and what the heck is this war on terror really? Like, why do we still have a TSA? I don't. I don't
2: think Yeah, they got grandmas taking their belts off because we decided to, you know, invade uh, Iraq or whatever. The, the
3: funniest thing about the airport thing is I was flying a lot when I came out here, when I when I moved out here for work was uh, the most uh, the hilarious part was like when you look at all the signs and say like you have to wear this, you have to wear that. They all had like sponsored by Purell. Uh, Sponsored. It was like, it was, like, it was like, is like, is that not the most like corporatist thing you've ever seen where it's like all your signs that tell you, you have to do this, behave this way at the airport. None of it mentioning COVID uh, or anything like that uh, at I all.
1: Just, I just like to imagine that there's like some, you know, the, the the president of Purell or whatever company is, he's like, he's all, his hair's all disheveled and he's going through the books and he's like, he calls his wife and he goes, honey. We're not going to have Christmas dinner. <laughs> Sales are just really bad. And then he looks at the TV, and it's like COVID lockdown. He goes, "Oh!" And then, and then he and then he throws the papers in there, and he opens one. and goes, "Get to work, boys. We're back in business." Yeah. Now it's, he's like super rich, and he's got like a Scrooge McDuck <laughs> swimming through money. That was
3: one of the memes. It says the the creator of, or the owner of Purell right now. It's the guy who's got like nine gold chains on, and and, uh, and a bunch of, in a ring on each finger. It's like that's exactly what it is. Them and the whoever invented the ma- whoever's like producing the masks. China, China.
2: Yeah. So. Wasn't the the my pillow guy making masks, and they still hate him. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, that's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, he, yeah, he he shifted production to start making masks. Yeah, and they were like, "Master Bad Now." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're, we're not. We can't support anything he's doing. That, that was
3: like, that because uh, I'm from Minnesota. and It was really funny. Like people from Minnesota just hated that guy <laughs> uh, for for no reason. They have no idea why. They just they've just been told that they have to hate him. I we, so.
1: we we, we got a pull up this tweet. It's a great tweet. And you know, let me just preface this by saying. I don't I don't normally care to, you know, mock people who are just not relevant. But this woman is apparently an elected representative she is an elected official. Yep. This woman, uh, Lindsay Sabadosa, says today, a federal judge called it overreach for U.S. health officials to require masks on airplanes and other public transmit transit.
6: Step into the world of power, loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse with family. Cannolis and spins mean everything now. You want to get mixed up in the family business? Introducing The Godfather at ChampaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family.
7: No purchase necessary. BGW Group. Void
5: prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: And no matter how you feel about masks, you should you should be really, really concerned that the courts are effectively taking away power from the federal government. Should we now? Okay. Okay. Hold hold on there a minute. <laughs> it was a federal judge who issued a ruling on a federal mandate. This is more of an uh, – uh, I guess if you think that the courts are taking away the power from the federal government – if if she's discussing some kind of like Ouroboros, you know, the snake eating it that's eating itself,
5: yeah.
1: m- maybe uh, but I think she has no idea what she's she talking about. I think she means
5: taking power away from the executive branch as it was intended, and that's what we have the separation of powers for. Don't be charitable, Ian. That's my <laughs> that's my job. Like this is the, this
1: is the thing that I think we often do is Joe Biden will do something and will be like, well, maybe he oh, really on, meant this. Yeah. And oh, just, I, I totally tie- I agree.
5: This is a foolish and, and ir- irrational treat it, uh, tweet. It doesn't make any sense. And she's all sorts of names. No, no, I don't have anything. But that's a that's a, a dumb <laughs> tweet that is wrong. The, the court's job is to okay. strip away power from the executive branch if it goes too far. Mm-hmm. Progress- well, it's to interpret the law.
7: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, progressive Democrat and state representative, first Hampshire district. I yeah. believe it's in Massachusetts. That's correct. And it's just, oh, oh, oh my stars and garters. So
4: I looked her up, and she's also before she's a politician. It says she's an activist, and I was like, yeah, that uh, checks out. Oh. It <laughs> well, close. look, look.
1: I want to say, I mean, no mm-hmm. ill will towards this 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 woman. She said nothing mean to me. Um, she just was, she just doesn't know what she's talking about. And so the first thing I always like to do is just say, um, hey, you were wrong you should you should fix that uh i don't i don't i don't want to rag on her for being you know incorrect about this or not understanding how the government works but i all i will i will say while we try to be nice and respectful because she has not you know as a, maybe maybe she's talked about me in the past i don't know idea but if she's being if she's said nothing mean to me i don't want to be mean to her i would just say i have serious questions about her uh, her ability to work in government if she doesn't understand what courts federal courts are and what they do that is a more professional critique Right. Yeah. That's trying, yeah trying, I mean, to be, trying to keep things respectful, I guess.
2: Isn't the whole progressive claim that they're for the people and power of the people and all this and everything that they tweet or say or whatever is all about the power of the government?
1: No, I got to stop you. I don't. I think progressives are are authoritarian, and they've. Mm. they've I'm pretty sure they've always been. Now, well, I agree with that. But I don't think they claim to be for the people. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 some of them may because it, it's probably you know from authoritarian to libertarian to a certain degree, but typically progressive just refers to you know uh doing what you we think is right for the sake of progress so these are people who in the past were eugenicists mm-hmm. I, I don't think the progressive movement has ever been particularly we want to protect all of the people it's more like how do we control the system better Yeah,
2: yeah, and maybe I'm making a mistake of using, like, AOC as the avatar of progressivism Mm -hmm. because, like, with her, she's just always talking about the people, you know, the people, the people, the people. But in, you know, in practicality or, you know, in reality, it's always about more power consolidation. Well, yeah, like,
1: you know, I mean, tankies, like, you know, (gasps) communists and stuff, they're saying we're going to help the people.
2: By force, yeah, right, and
1: that's yeah. that's like that's you know kind of like AOC. Uh, I'm surprised people still defend her. It's remarkable that uh, there was that that guy. What's his name? Chris, I think his name is the union guy in yeah. New York who started the he started a union at the Amazon factory. They fired him, and then uh, he started a union, very successful. Tucker Carlson had him on, and you know he's 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 busted his ass to get this done to to push back against one of the most I think Amazon is evil, mm-hmm. terrible company, but we're all addicted to it. And uh, AOC is nowhere to be found, and then. When he when he wins when the when the when the warehouse votes to unionize, AOC is all tweeting like, "Yeah, we did it," and he's just like, "What? Where have you been?"
5: Chris
3: Smalls is his name.
5: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Good
7: for him, man. Yeah.
3: Amazon, uh, Russell Brand just had a video that came out yesterday about like Amazon has like an internal messaging service in there and they're like censoring words like you can't say certain phrases like union or bathroom break. Uh, and it's just like, is that not the most authoritarian thing ever now? It's (laughs) like they want to like reward you by having like, like kind of like how you have like likes on Instagram and stuff like that. So it's like you don't want to get a raise. You want to get your coworkers to give you likes on your internal messaging service app Mm. for your, for your company that doesn't let you talk about bathroom. Breaks and doesn't allow you to uh to unionize because uh, what, did they, what did they say they spent ninety three million dollars on anti union uh, lobbyists or something wow. in the same year. Yeah, um,
5: I'm looking at theverge.com dot Some of the words that Amazon's banned with that app: <laughs> master, slave, injustice, ethics. You, ethics. you can't say the word ethics. <laughs> <laughs>
1: some of them are really
3: funny. Some of them, are yeah, <laughs> you can't say diversity. Unfairly. Really? Yeah. Holy cow.
1: Well, okay, it's all right then. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Now,
3: also, now, what the hell? I love Bezos.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all
1: right. Well, let's uh let's rag on Jen Saki a little bit. Yeah. So we have this story from The Independent. Saki says, is, is, that your, is, "Is her name Saki? Is it Saki?
4: Saki bomb. Saki, Saki bomb." Saki
1: yeah. Says Peter Ducey sounds like a stupid son of B. Yeah. Or she would keep it family friendly because of Fox's questions. Biden caught on hot mic in January calling Ducey a stupid sob over inflation question, and then Saki just comes out and says it. I just want to point out. Um, I was watching Peter Ducey question Jen at the White House press briefing today, and I was offended. At how bad she was at this, because I've praised her in the past as being a good spin doctor. Because you know Biden will do something just horrifyingly bad, or he'll just like fall asleep in public or something. I'm kidding, by the way. But he'll he'll and and she'll find a way to spin it. And I'm like, yeah, she's good. I mean, she's doing what she does. But today it was just like, wow. And you know, really well. Let me let me explain. Yeah, she was asked by Peter Ducey, why do you recommend masks when we don't have to? And her response was, "I'm not a doctor. Are you a doctor? You're not a doctor. I'm not a doctor." And I'm like, Jen like wow this one's really easy you just say airplanes are smaller with recirculated air yeah i was like you couldn't even just say that to peter doocy was like wow yeah. she was not good at this there were a couple other things that came out and she was bad but the, the interesting thing here i suppose is that she's she's reportedly going down to msnbc so here she is it's it's during a taping of uh, pod save america oh yeah she was asked if mr doocy was a stupid sob <laughs> or if he just acted like one on tv she said he works for a network that provides people with questions that Nothing personal to any individual, including Ducey, but might make anyone sound like a stupid SOB. Hmm. That's really amazing that the only real questions that come out of that briefing, okay, it's not fair, but 90% of the real questions come from Peter Ducey. There, there were, um, there was one guy I saw asking some good questions, but I'm sitting there watching this briefing and I'm just like, has there ever been a point in our lifetimes where the White House press, press briefing revealed any relevant or important information or are we all just recognizing it's a it's, it's a it's theater and the and the the whether it be sean Spicer or jenceki they're going to say whatever they have to to spin they're not going to tell you the truth for once i'd like someone to come out with like a scotch and it's like you know <laughs> oh just gosh. donald trump or biden and he's like swirling it and they're like what are we doing in yemen <laughs> making a lot of money ooh, we're we're selling weapons to the saudis you know and they're and they're blowing up villages but whew, good for the economy next question syria ooh, oil well we're trying to build a pipeline what's next and i'm just like wow you know but they're not going to do that
3: i would love to see inside of kaylee McEnany's big book that she used to carry with her i would love okay. to see what's in amazing. there
1: okay i gotta take that back yes she's a- great that was epic she's great. she had the big book and whenever the press would say something, she'd be like, hmm. And she'd like reference, <laughs> you're full of it. Okay. That was actually su- su- substantive. Yeah. That maybe wasn't giving us real answers about the administration, but it was exposing to the American people how the media was totally full of it.
5: Yeah. When this girl, when we talk about how she... uh is good. I think that's come up in the past that she's good at her job. I'm like, well, what? Are, you can be good at your job and be evil if your job is evil. Like Joseph Goebbels, Hitler's minister of propaganda, was good, but so instead of using the word good, no, 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 say no. effective. Say he did she, it. Don't say he was good. Say he was he was effective he, at yeah, his right. job, which was evil. And so <laughs> yeah. is Jen Psaki sometimes. If she's lying to people, that's evil. You could say she's doing a public good by lying to people because some of the the information is too dangerous. Like if the CIA is a secretive organization on purpose. If but I don't
1: think that's—I don't know. What do you think about it? If there is any man on the planet who is the easiest to take out of context and make a <laughs> montage of just four or five things, Ian. Yes, thank I'm you, sorry, Tim. Ian. You recognize just... my greatness. <laughs> yeah. You need my your superpower. own Gen Saki. Thanks, yeah, dog. Yes, you, do. you need yeah. to yeah. hire. No, your I own. have my own Gen <laughs> No, no. But the, the, the issue is, you know, and Ian made a good point just now that uh, Goebbels, I mean, that yeah, Joseph, Joseph
5: Goebbels or yeah. something. He like was that? effective,
1: and it was terrifying. But when you say that, when uh, he, he was good at his I'm, job
5: and he was evil, no, no, like, no that's you a said big, he was good. Yeah, but well, I kind of got diverted. The conversation, and I'm like, yeah. you
1: got to make sure you finish <laughs> you that thought. That he was, yeah. He yeah. was
5: effective. <laughs> so were the Nazis at what they were trying oh, to accomplish, but they weren't good. And so that's so you can look at what Jen's doing. I mean, she's now she's just bad at her job and also doing. I don't just know if I want to claim she's doing evil, but the, I want to I want to have hope for the American government. But sometimes I think like. Little transparency goes a long way. Yeah, they're they're checked out. I think uh, they're all evil.
2: I mean, they've been p- forcing masks on little kids in airplanes. You know, kicking families off because a two year old won't wear yeah. their mask. You know, uh, ch- child suicide rates are through the roof right now. Drug addictions up through the roof. Everyone who pushes this is evil. I'm totally fine with using that word. Uh, they're good at being evil, I guess or effective I, at being evil
1: I agree and i I want to elaborate on that when you have a machine that says two year olds must wear masks yeah. and we're like, okay, we get it but then you get these videos like even people willing to be like we want to do we we want to be peaceful we don't want confrontation you get these videos where the baby they put the mask on the baby and the baby takes it off like literal baby and then they're like off the plane and I'm like, dude when you have become this machine that doesn't care about people, you have become evil. And I've talked about it before. I can't stand what has become of the U S court system. It's been this way to varying degrees, but it's getting worse in that I, I get pulled over once. I wasn't speeding cop walks up to me with a ticket and he says, sign there. And I was like, I wasn't speeding. He goes, I don't care. Tell it to a judge. And I was like, not now I got to take off work to go to a judge. I go to the judge. And he goes, I don't care. Cop said you were speeding, pay the fine or you know, fight it. And I'm like, okay, you know, it, we, we've become extremely rigid because we don't know or care about each other. And this is one of the big challenges. The way we use what, you know, when this country founded. We had 2 million people. You didn't have police. You had local militia. So if somebody stole something, it's like round at the boys. We're going to go. We're going to go catch that guy who stole something. And then you'd have to go to the courts and the courts were part of the community. Everybody knew each other and they'd all talk it out. And it's like that guy who stole it, that's, 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 you know, John's son. And it's like, oh man, John, what do you got to say for your kid? And then they talk about it. Now it's like, I don't know who this guy is. I don't even know what his name is. Now there's so many people and it's so dense. We've just become rigid and, and mechanized almost.
5: I see ups and downs to both because if you know the judge and then you commit a crime and the judge is like, I know him, just let him off. Mm-hmm. That's also bad. But if you, the judge has no idea who you are and they don't take your humanity into account at all, then that's also kind of bad. I I agree. But I, I think of it like this still exists in small
1: town America where uh if you live in a small town and you're speeding <clears throat> let's say a 16 17 year old kid is speeding and the the deputy pulls him over he already knows who it is so mm-hmm. he's not worried about getting shot or anything and he walks up and he's like Jimmy why are you speeding and he's like oh, I'm sorry Dan and he's like I'm going to see your dad at the bar later today and I'm going to tell him mm-hmm. you're speeding and he's like please don't and he's like I'm letting you off with a <laughs> warning but I'm telling your dad like that's way more effective mm. social uh, repercussions as mm. opposed to like pay the 35 bucks or pay the 50 bucks for a lot of people. That 50 bucks is devastating, mm. but they're like, I don't care. You know, so what I'll, I'll, I'll not pay the ticket or I'll fight it or whatever. Having that personal connection I think is good because it holds people to account because they're scared of people they know and love getting mad at them.
2: I think you're right about that. And there's also just that there's too darn many laws. Mm. Oh you know? yeah. So we've got so many people going through the system all the time. It almost has mm. to be, Uh, mechanical and expedited, you you really can't add the human element in if you've got, let's say you're a judge and you've got a judge on 50 cases in a day or whatever. How serious can you take the individual in each of those? I mean, there's only so many minutes in a day.
3: Right? Yeah, they're, they're gonna, they're especially not even just judges, but prosecutors. They're only gonna see you as a number or as a way to advance their career. And it's almost not even like, it, I'd like to say it's on them, but a career oriented person who goes into a field like that, they're going to be predisposed to looking at people that way. And that's just how they, uh, they've chosen to get ahead with their career. They just happen to take a career that puts other people's lives in, you know, in the balance each and every day.
2: Yeah, then you have to ask yourself why they chose that job. And that's a whole other discussion.
1: There, there, I I pulled up just like, weird laws. The one of them is like bingo games can't last more than five hours in North Carolina. What? You can't sniff glue with the intent to get high from it what? in Indiana. What? Can't, ha- sniff it? Can in can't
3: have sex with living fish in Minnesota. Well, <laughs> okay. I might actually support that one. Oh yeah. That,
5: that's not a
1: weird law. That's a good one. That's, that's not right? not the word living is yeah. a weird law. Oh, right?
3: It's, uh, there was, there was like a, a song where they referenced that. And I was like, that can't be real. Can it? And then I, I don't yeah. know if that's, they've since, uh, repealed that just to say any fish perhaps but yes that was that was a (laughs) thing
5: this is a great metaphor talking about the machine we were talking last night about how machines are very dangerous and we've kind of become enslaved to them they're very intelligent and we can build their intelligence but they have no emotion humans have emotion that's why we enslave the machine to work for us and to outsource our intelligence at what level does a society become a machine like a small town it's all about emotion who you know your kids their kids then all of a sudden at some point it's like just fill out the paperwork. You don't even have to look at the guy's face. Like what? Sixty thousand people? Twenty? Hundred Sixteen hundred
2: people? Yeah. Remember that movie Office? Uh, what was it? Office Space? Yeah. Mm, and they take yeah. the printer out and beat the tar out of it or yes. whatever. You are the printer. <laughs> oh, that's, that's the tech. That,
5: that's the technocratic dream.
2: Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I just think that. Uh, the, fundamentally that movie is about being caught up in a a mindless numbing job that's functioning a lot like a bureaucracy and every level of justice system is a mindless numbing bureaucracy. So when you go in there, you're the printer, man.
3: And printers are still worthy of that. Like we have a printer here. thats They're all awful. It's it's the only technology that hasn't expanded at all. Every printer is still a hassle to use all the time.
5: Did you guys ever have that black, printer ink explode on yeah. you when you're trying oh to change it. so no. it's crazy. It's,
3: it's like there's like a rule against making them better. They're like, it has to be a hassle. And <laughs> it's just, nobody wants to, nobody wants to I create could, a better printer.
5: I agree. Yeah. Maybe lasers. Maybe we can just have lasers do a back image on a paper or Perfect. something. It's probably already created. Yo, let's talk about Alex Jones. Oh
4: yeah.
1: We got the story from TimCast.com. Update. Alex Jones disputes widespread claims that InfoWars is filing bankruptcy. Quote, we are filing a Chapter 11 reorganization so that the federal government can come in and look at our books, Jones said. Now that, you got to love technically the truth, the best kind of the truth. The truth is Alex Jones did file for Chapter 11, which is under bankruptcy laws. I suppose the fair way to phrase it is that he's disputing the idea that they're broke. Mm. He says, quote, I am not filing bankruptcy. InfoWars is not filing bankruptcy. We are filing a Chapter 11 reorganization. So that the federal government can come in and look at our books to see that we do not have $16 million in a secret bank account. Uh. We do not have $5 million even. We have about $3 million that is, that is necessary in order to operate. We are what the mainstream media truly fears. Honest, independent media, said Jones. This filing is strategic to allow me to pay my creditors and remain transparent. That is a form of bankruptcy. I think, however, the media is trying to frame it like they're broke and destitute, and most people think bankruptcy means you're out of money.
5: I'll give you an example. I searched Chapter 11 bankruptcy, and one of the first news articles came up from NBC. Alex Jones Infowars files for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. It's form protection. Then I click on the article. The title's been changed. Alex Jones's InfoWars files for bankruptcy following Sandy Hook lawsuits. So it's like they, they printed the article as it was really happening, and then they're like, not scandalous enough. Let's make him look bad. Bring up Sandy Hook. Mm. Let's right. get him. No, they wanted, they wanted buzz terms so that it would get more clicks. Right. That's what
1: they do. And uh, there's, there's something they do at news organizations, media outlets, called uh, A-B Testing, where they actually – this is fascinating. They can publish an article with multiple headlines in different regions to see which one does better in real time and then switch it all out. Mm. Not only that, but a headline—newspapers do this, too. This is the crazy thing. You look at, like, New York Times. I, I don't know if the New York Times does it, but you'll look at, like, the California edition versus the Texas edition versus the Utah edition, and they'll use different headlines to sell papers because yeah.
5: they know I pe- think Time Magazine actually made a different person of the year for different countries, I think, at some point. You mm-hmm. guys remember that? No, oh, I don't mm-hmm. know. No, no, I'll, I'll look into that as we're yeah. talking. And that's why they don't like Alex
2: Jones. That's it. I'm going to be honest uh, I- if he is going bankrupt, I get it because everything he talked about for like the last 20 years happened. So it's was like nothing to ramble about because people were like, yeah, man. We do know? have I, that I, I People really are, you know, the frogs really are turning <laughs> Well, so the, you know? the,
1: the frogs thing was funny. I was on, uh, f- first, let me just say, when it comes to Alex, he he reads the news a lot and then he talks all about this and sometimes he'll find something and take it in the wrong direction. So that's why when he gets things right, we don't like, we don't believe it. We're like, there's no way that's true. Like when he was here and he was like, we're eating cloned beef. And I was like, no, we're not. He's like, Google it. And I did. And it's like, we're actually eating. Okay. Wow. I I didn't believe him. So there's a lot of crazy things you think are, 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 you know, are crazy. Turns out he was right. But I will say he's absolutely wrong to talk about Sandy hook the way he did. And this is the, I I would say, look, if you defame someone, you get held to account. When the big media companies went after the Covington kids, well, they get they get sued and they're going to pay out their settlement.
4: With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Good. Alex Jones should not have been talking about private individuals making accusations about them like, like this. He did not have the proof to, to make these claims.
2: Yeah. And I look at Alex Jones as like a pro wrestling of media, just mm-hmm. pure entertainment. You know, like, I, I find him entertaining and fun. I, I mean, I don't like watch his show, but I watch it pretty much whenever he goes on something like your show or Rogan or something. Um, so I can see how he could slip into this, but you're totally right. Especially once you start going after the parents of a, a dead child, You kind of deserve what you get at that point.
5: Yep. Yep. He's been pretty transparent about that he was wrong. That's something. If he, if he's still holding on, like, oh, no, 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 then I'd be like, you know what? I don't even want this guy. But the fact that he's open and like, yeah, I screwed up big time and he's paying his dues. That's the first step, man. So look,
1: he said he was wrong. He apologized. He offered to settle 120 K to each of the families. And they said something like he's, the settlement offer was an attempt to avoid his public reckoning. And I'm like, is that what this is about? Because if he already admitted he's wrong and apologized and then offered to pay you out, I think you've won.
2: Yeah. Like,
1: what do you, What do you want? Well, they want a perp walk. They want a public, you know, uh, event. And I'm like, I don't know. I kind of feel like CNN settled and I'm satisfied. Like, I don't like CNN. I'm never, never going to like them. But they they lose. They go to the coming to kids and are like, we lose. You, here, when that happened, we we're all
7: like, yeah!
5: Like there we go. We move on. Best thing that came out of this is that he uses research now. When now when he's working, he has like sixteen papers at him. When he comes on the show, he has a bunch of documents ready to go. He doesn't stray off his topic. He doesn't well, stray off his his research unless you want to have fun with him, but. He came here and he's like, I got all the, I got all the research, the proof. And he hands yes. it to me and it was just InfoWars. Yeah. I was like, dude, this is you. <laughs> you, know, you know, I went I to Sandy. Though. Though. I actually went up there that day. I was in uh, Connecticut working with mines and the shooting happened and they were like, you want to go cover this? So I was like, yeah, I guess so. I don't you know. So I drove up there and, uh. Man, it was somber. This is all anecdotal. It doesn't prove or disprove. I mean, obviously it was a real thing at this point, but I tried to interview people. No one wanted to talk. Well, they had yeah, the media dude. across yeah. the street. You could see the fire trucks. I mean, it was really, why really. Would? Why would anyone want to talk about that? Though. Yeah. We
3: just, no. uh, we did a story the other day covering like a documentary filmmaker who's covering Astroworld, the, the tragedy at Astroworld and how like, he's like, he's like, I am a victim driven uh, documentary filmmaker who goes around and covers uh, various tragedies like this and like one of the issues that the dude has is that he has to go and he tries to get interviews with people uh, and a lot of times he'll push really heavily with these victims families to try and get them to talk on record and that comes off you know some might want to have that discussion but other ones have no interest in it and you know a good documentary filmmaker unfortunately uh, given you know what he chose for a profession is going to have to push back if he wants to get the story but he's just not taking a cue for from the fact that he's using such heavy material to do that, uh, and that could be seen as something like this here.
4: So, so
1: I want to I want to dig into this uh, infowars claim about this hidden money, right? So, Alex is saying the, the, the reorganization is so that the feds can see they don't have sixteen million dollars in a secret bank account. I don't know if that's what's being argued. There be uh, he's there's a new lawsuit, and maybe I'm wrong. Let me see if we can pull this up. A newly filed lawsuit alleges that, uh, let, let me read this. They say, after Alex Jones was sued for claiming the, you know what he did about Sandy Hook, the uh, conspiracy theorist conspired to divert, that's funny, conspired to divert his assets to shell companies owned by insiders like his parents, his children, and himself, reads the lawsuit, which was filed in Austin, Texas, by some of the families. So they're not saying he has a secret bank account. They're saying that he immediately started doing deals, funneling this money away, I don't know how you win a lawsuit like that, to be completely honest, because like, you know, you can sue somebody, but if they haven't lost or owe you anything, they can spend the money however they want. You don't get to just say you're not allowed to spend money anymore because I'm suing you. Imagine if that's how things worked. It's like, I don't want Disney to make a movie, so I'll sue them. And now they can't spend any money. No, that's ridiculous. They started the process of going after Alex. Maybe at that point, he said, all right, you know, I'm going to do a bunch of deals to pull all this money out of the company. And that way it'll be with people I know, and I can file bankruptcy. Maybe. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You didn't win the lawsuit. Then they do. How much money does he have? Well, there you go. Now and going forward in the future, he's going to have to pay you back. But that money's gone.
2: So Infowars is getting sued, not Alex Jones. Is that right? I don't know for sure exactly how they structured
1: the lawsuit. I know that three companies that uh, IW Health, Prison Planet, and Infowars have filed for Chapter 11. That's what, that's what's been reported. Okay. So I think they they may be going after him and his companies or something. Mm. It's really interesting how this stuff works out. So, uh, you know, typically, I think people have been suing the individuals and the businesses. Wow. Yeah. So when journalists do things like, you know, the reporter is on the line and the company is on the line for publishing it. That yeah. Makes
2: sense.
3: Yeah. So the reporter isn't allowed protections. I, I'm just curious about that. The reporter isn't allowed protections just because they're working for the the company. They're still responsible oh, in yeah. addition to the. Okay.
1: You're the one who said it. Yeah. And the company is the one who amplified it. So now, but you know what, man? You can sue a ham sandwich. doesn't mean you're going to win. We'll see how this plays out. I suppose the narrative is that the lawsuit is to to silence a prominent influential person on the right. And that's why they're not. They're not satisfied with the settlement offer.
3: Yeah, they don't want the settlement offer. They want him to come out as the bad guy, like you said, perp walk. They want to. They want humiliation. They want him to look bad, not just pay out for what he did. And that's the difference between actually wanting justice uh, and actually wanting someone to pay. And I think those aren't necessarily always the same thing.
1: I, I wonder though. At this point, you know, Alex has said that they submitted their documents and the courts were like, "Nope, you didn't give us your documents." And he's like, "What do you mean? I gave you everything." I'm like, "No, you didn't." And he's like, "But we did." and i actually uh talked with him and his lawyer and his lawyer was like we gave them everything they are just saying we didn't and they put us in default and it's like what do we give them if we don't have anything else to give them it's like it's like when you're being interrogated by someone and like tell us where the gold is like i don't know yes you do and they're beating you like what do you do if you don't know you just lie i guess so they're saying they got nothing left to give but they're being you know put in default so they can't what are they supposed to do at this point
2: W- wasn't there a conspiracy theory for a long time that Alex Jones was actually a CIA asset and that he was being used sure. by the CIA? Oh, there's to... there's always that conspiracy theory. So at least we can put that to bed. Yeah,
7: there
2: you go. You
1: know, or it's the feds are working with it, or it's just a, a <laughs> uh, you know they're trying to pull him out. Clever. Yeah. Now it's like we got to get Alex out of there, man. And yeah. so like here's <laughs> how we're gonna do it, happening. and you know Alex is like I'm quitting, I resign.
3: I like the idea of like him being reassigned by the CIA to like <laughs> a, like the breakovic, like a, a foreign country, uh, like a station chief in some. Uh, like really far away place because they can't use them here anymore.
5: I'm, I'm I just good at what I do.
1: I I, I kind of feel like there's there's powerful interests at play in a lot of these suits that we've been seeing. It started with you know Gawker, right? Peter Thiel funds this lawsuit against Gawker and blows it up. basically. That was the Hulk Hogan one, yeah, Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And now it's like this is this is how this is lawfare. It's how it works. I'm kind of just like Alex Jones is Alex Jones. Everything else doesn't matter. He could do his show on a cell phone. He could be mm. like, okay, you know what? Fine. Shut her down. Start a new company and then just talk into a camera. What are they going to do? Gonna...
2: How, how much do you think – I mean, you're in a position to answer this. How much do you think being removed from Twitter and YouTube and those other platforms is affecting his business?
1: I think it probably knocked him down, you know, the majority of the money he was making. But here's what people should understand. Alex Jones got started on, I think, Public Access TV – and then he made internet video documentaries, and he I think he sold I think he was selling them. All I know is people were sharing them for free. And then he launched his website before YouTube and social media existed. He was he was well off and running this big company. Then you get YouTube, you get Twitter, you get Facebook, and he gets even bigger. Mm. He loses all of that. He's back. He, he's actually still doing better than he was before social media because he created Band Dot Video. He's got his own video player now. He gets hundreds of thousands of views still. People like. You can't take away that level of fame from somebody. So that's why I'm saying even if they destroyed all of his companies, all he's got to do is strap, strap on a loincloth and go in the woods with a cell phone, and you know, people are going to want to watch it. I would subscribe to that, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Yes. I mean, honestly. Me and watch you hear so me, Alex? Go. Yeah. Alex, Alex Jones, Jungle Man, I'll and he's like, I'm surviving today, people. <laughs> this is how you live with the, with, the, with the governments on your back.
5: I mean, actually, it would be a really great it would show. Be I incredible. That incredible. <laughs> Alex, let's do a documentary, that would be incredible. Alex Jones or a short film or something. I Survival don't know, that, man. man.
1: You know, now with the, the the Twitter stuff is interesting because it looks like what's, you know, Elon Musk trying to buy Twitter, it's just powerful interests trying to block people who are challenging the system or these conversations. It just looks like there's evil power at play trying to control, manipulate.
2: People have been talking about parallel systems for a long time, parallel economies and all this and this move with Elon Musk, and there's been some speculation that maybe Peter Thiel will get involved and some other of Elon's friends, billionaire-like sort of investors, would get involved. To me, it's the first step in an actual, uh, a, a, like a sort of a parallel cathedral element, you know, or a competing uh, cathedral element, you know, to attack the actual system that it sort of is uh, feels oppressive as the everyman. So I'm kind of like Ford. I know some people have been like, well, you're just cheering on, you know, your own right-wing Caesar-type character or whatever. I'm like, first of all, I don't think the guy's right-wing at all. But second of all, yeah, for sure. I totally am, you know? Like, I'll take anybody who wants to win at this point.
5: I get I get kind of like, I, I see the pushback he's getting. Okay, so there's a couple ways to go at it. You can try and reverse-engineer the software, get a bunch of developers together that want to work on, like, a free software system and try and rebuild what's already been built, which takes forever and so many hours of labor for development labor. Or you can come from the top. Buy the organization and then free the software code that way. But we see with Elon, it's like the Saudi prince is is tweeting out he doesn't want to let go of his, his power. These people BlackRock, I think, or is it Vanguard? I think Vanguard's both. in kind of hard. It's both of they don't want to give up. So it's it's challenging to take it from the top when you're using their money, the fiat. Because they control the fiat, and I say they—it's so vague. But it's the Federal Reserve and these giant megacorps that get first dibs on all the money when they loan it out. You wanna, uh, you wanna, you wanna, you
1: wanna make a guess, Ian, as to who is the largest institutional investor in oh. Tesla?
5: Oh, I, th- I saw you tweeted that earlier, so I can't. But what about you, Brett? Uh, I. I think we talked
3: about it earlier really as well. Oh. Sorry. What do you guys it. think? Put in the super chats. You'll find out totally later. I just said it's Vanguard. Vanguard. Yeah.
1: yeah. Vanguard, then uh Capital something, then I think BlackRock, and then I think it's State Street Global Advisors. I swear,
5: you, this is the problem with going public, man. You can't stop it. once you Once you get in that pool, the big fish come and- That's that. That's-
3: I really do love how Blackrock is just a really, really, like, uh, <laughs> evil corporation sounding name. It's my favorite part about it. It's like, uh, what was the other one we were talking about earlier? Blackwater. Black, Blackwater? Very Blackstone? Uh, uh, no, Blackstone. the, the private, uh, private mercenary group from, oh, like, Blackwater, yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. They changed their name. A, I, but yeah, I love the. Uh, it's just so, uh, evil supervillain sounding. It's great. <laughs> it's
7: Let's
1: talk about DeSantis and see where we're, uh, where we're heading in this country. Oh, snap. DeSantis defends math textbook rejection as Dems seek proof of critical race theory lessons. Florida Education Department officials have not yet provided examples from the textbook textbooks deemed impermissible, but on Monday released the list of books that failed to make the cut. So apparently, DeSantis defended it. We want kids to learn to think so they get the right answer, DeSantis told reporters. The Florida Department of Education on Friday rejected some 54 math books from state classrooms, a move that drew national attention. When DeSantis claimed the proposals from publishing companies contain lessons on indoctrinated concepts like race essentialism, the move was just the latest example of Republicans, including DeSantis, scrutinizing what students are learning, blah, blah. Okay, here's the question. If the math books don't have critical race theory in them, why are they bent out of shape? They're getting removed. Hmm. If it's just a math book where it's like <laughs> two plus two is four, then why, why, why would they be mad about that? They'd be like, oh, I guess do we still have a math book that says two plus two equals four? Then why do we care if you remove that one?
4: this is really interesting because it is possible that they're not actually teaching critical race theory. Hold on, let me turn myself up. Um, and what they're doing is teaching a form of praxis, which is where critical theory is in everything. It doesn't have to be explicit. It underlies everything. I've seen some of these math problems. I think it was Matt Walsh earlier today who was reading some of these questions about Maya Angelou and all the stuff that went in on her life, all this racism she stood up to. It's a math problem. You're supposed to be solving X and Y and A and B and all this stuff. But they're rolling into it all these ideas so that they can say, we're not teaching critical race theory. This is praxis. We've talked about this before. This is critical race applied principles. Right. So an, an
1: example would be those old math problems where it's like a train leaves Detroit right. traveling 500 miles an hour and a train leaves Pittsburgh traveling at 50 miles an hour and blah, blah, blah. And then, um, you know, that's a math problem. What they're doing in these is they're like, Johnny is a young white man who's 15 <laughs> year, 15 years old and he gets stopped by the police three times in one month. But Jerome is a young black man who gets stopped by the police 2,000 times in one month. Mm-hmm. What percentage of stops were – and then you're like, okay, we get it. That's what they're doing.
2: Yeah, I, I honestly think it if anything, it doesn't go far enough. I We – as far as DeSantis's move here, uh I had to go pick up one of my kids from – I have one kid in public school and the rest of mine are homeschooled. But uh, I had to go pick her up, and there was a, a class. The kids must have been maybe seven years old and all across the wall is the you know rainbow flags and uh trans flag now nothing said you know anything about but but the coloring is all the right coloring you know and there's like the little sneaky words you know like sharing is caring like care bears type stuff and this isn't a tiny town in in idaho in the mountains of idaho i mean tiny that's so, it's everywhere and it's, it's like being pumped into these kids' brains. I actually think like that's why colors are so important. You know, kids like latch on to that stuff and it's very visually appealing for them. So when it's broadcast in their faces all the time, you don't have to have an explicit message in there. The messages like in the image, I still remember an image like in fourth grade on my wall of the, of a horn, like a trumpet
5: playing music. And it showed the sound waves coming out like this, like round. uh, Sorry if you're listening, you're not able to see. But then, then the teacher came in one day and was like, actually the sound waves are actually like this. And they changed the image of, to a sine wave. Mm -hmm. And that was, that sticks with me to today. That was like 35 years ago or something crazy. Yeah. imagery is the most one of the most powerful ways to teach a child anything mm-hmm. sound imagery smell those kind of things yeah sensory stuff there totally. are a bunch
1: of these videos that are coming out and it's starting to expose what these teachers are <coughs> doing one of them is the um like a gender flow chart almost <clears throat> Yeah. and there's it's from libs of tiktok i saw this where the teacher's like you start with your 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 sexuality and then you can go as far as you want towards male or female and then you come down to your identity and it can be different and it's
6: like
1: Trans people exist. Gay people exist. It's like, okay, I get it. You're telling them they exist. If you give them a card and tell them to draw on a scale where they are, now you're, you're, you're actually not just telling them exist. Now you're doing some kind of litmus test for them and their identity. And what happens then if these kids feel like they're not going to fit in if they go with the bland gray flag? The, the cis flag they've been showing kids is just black and white. Hmm. So why would a kid pick that one?
7: Mm-hmm. Why would the
1: kid want to be the, the, you know, boring? No, you can be fun and exciting here, do these things. And so these kids don't understand oppression. They don't understand civil rights. These are, these are young kids between, you know, f- uh, five years old and nine years old. They're being told just to draw how they feel and they're like, whatever.
2: Don't you think they're going after them for, because at that age, they don't understand sexuality at all. They don't have, you know, they're not, they're prepubescent and all this. So if you go after them then and you, like, start talking to them about sexual orientation, of course, like, Johnny and Jack are gonna say that they like each other more because girls are stupid and icky or whatever. Mm -hmm. So then when they do start to develop actual hormones and feelings, you're just, like, Adding layers of confusion because now they're getting all the you know the testosterone flowing. They're like, "Well, I thought I liked you know Jack. It turns out maybe Yo, Jill's all right." You know, I've
1: I've heard some horror stories from these are coming out of conservative states where like someone's kid said that they thought they were pan, and their parent was like, "Why do you think you're pan?" And they're like, "Cause I like everybody." And they're like, "You you like everybody? That means you want to kiss them." And and the, and their daughter was like, "No, she's and they're, friendly." Yeah, I just mean like I want to be friends with them. And they're like, that's not what that means. No. They're lying to those kids. I'm not saying it's every classroom, but certainly that is happening because these kids don't know what that means.
3: And there's no way it gets to that level of teaching that they don't know that they're confusing them. And that's the worst part about yeah. it is that it's being obfuscated intentionally uh, partially because they know the kids aren't old enough to really process what that means. And partially just everything that you don't say is every, every, is every bit as important as what you choose to say and what you leave out says almost more about it than what you put in and that's that's terrifying to me
1: yeah well i think it's I, th- I think reality is yeah these these teachers are indoctrinating kids and then the media is doing everything in its power to to push back so Eber Max Kendi recently came out and said that uh, oh no they're grooming kids to be white supremacists and it's like wow it's working if he's got to come out and try and do that the messaging has worked you've got Kendi Trying to retake the word "groomer" because they're grooming kids. It ain't gonna work, buddy.
3: Mm-hmm. Did you cover the the first grade teacher who like told like told the first grade class that when when babies are born that they just get the doctor just guesses whether it's a boy or a girl? Oh
1: yeah, I think we talked about. Did that, you talk right? about that? I don't remember that.
3: that. They just guess. They just that they just told because the doctor just guesses. That's what happens.
1: There's another video from Libs of TikTok where the doctor's basically saying that where it's like it's typically based on their their you know, their their genetics and their genitals, but usually it's just their genitals and sometimes they're wrong. It's so wow. like well, sometimes as in like, you know, 0. Zero zero seven zero,
4: zero. yeah percent of the time. <laughs> yeah.
5: But is why ethics is so important. Science can only get you so far. You can only you can only look at pieces and parts and decide your final answer. But I mean, and that's I think maybe the the conversation about ethics and emotions has gone kind of too far in one direction where it's like if you feel like you're different sex then then that's reality because we have not been having much talk about emotions so this is like the the hammer's coming swinging back i feel like society's really detached from its emotional self how often do you see people cry how often do you see people publicly acknowledging their suffering
2: well, I mean, you could, kids that used to have, even though they weren't living on a farm or whatever, they used to know people that were farmers. They had a grandfather that was a farmer or, you know, an uncle or whatever. And so they were involved with animal husbandry and that stuff at, at a younger age. And you don't have to explain, like kids, ranch kids don't get birds and the bees talks mm. because they've been breeding animals, you know, being, They've been around animals who are being bred since they were very, very young. So they, there's an implicit understanding there. Like dad doesn't have to sit down and say, you know, when a mama bee loves a daddy bee, you know. It's like they've been seeing stud horses and mares out in the pasture. Mm. Chickens. Chickens. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, like we got we got Chicken City, and I Whew. was thinking about this too. Um, A lot of people talk about how their kids will watch Chicken City. Their dogs and their cats obviously will watch it too. But Chicken City has become this massive success. Thank you, everybody. But no, in all seriousness – the uh you know you'll get kids watching with their parents and they'll be like I want to feed the chickens and so they'll put the 5 bucks in the, the food comes down and then you'll see the rooster mount the hen and you know do his rooster business <laughs> okay
4: oh, to explain that
1: well i mean it's this this chicken city is is overtly over the top family friendly chickens do these things like if you want to teach your kids about farms and petting zoos you're going to watch that stuff happen sure. now maybe if your kids never been exposed to that you're going to have to have that conversation but to your point that, that i was thinking about this earlier i was like kid who grows up on a goat farm is never going to have that question because they're like a little kid watching the goats do their thing. You know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just totally true. And the chicken thing might be a little bit hard because then it's like, wait, so we're eating chicken babies? That's what we're eating? You know? <laughs> a lot
7: of
1: questions. Like, <laughs>
2: oh,
5: wow. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah, every day those eggs come out. It's not necessarily a baby. <laughs>
2: yeah, right.
5: But uh, you don't eat the chicks. You got to wait for them to grow. That's where you get the meat.
2: Do
1: you guys have a farm?
2: Yeah.
5: Do you, did you explain to your kids about, like, we're raising the animals, we're going to eat the animals or anything like that? Oh, I mean,
2: no. I don't know. It just kind of happens. My, In fact, my little sister, when she was – she was probably ten years old or so maybe no, oh, she was younger than that, seven or eight years old anyway. She come come home from school and got off the school bus and I was out feeding her or something. And I came around and she and uh, I just come in the back door and I hear her yell, Hey mom, I'm hungry. I wanna eat Bob <laughs> it, was like, it was this it was this steer oh, that she'd named Bob, you know, and she loved the steer or whatever, but she's like, Whatever it's food food <laughs> <laughs> like, he's cute and everything but we're gonna eat him so i uh, not not it's another one of those things just kind of implicit i don't
3: think you imagine have to...
2: being bob Shut yeah up. right <laughs> yeah, i know that name
3: do they do they like uh argue against naming them for that reason uh, no i'm i mean
2: uh my stepfather used to hate it but i like for me personally I, it doesn't bother me at all like yesterday i was at my in-laws uh getting ready to come well easter and then getting ready to come out here and as soon as I left, we had a, one of our heifers calved, you know, and my wife comes home. She's like, oh, look at it, so cute, you know. like, I mean, thank goodness I didn't have to pull it or anything, but, you know, she's talking about how cute these little Angus calves are or whatever, and I'm like, yeah, I get it. And then, you know, the kids are hearing her talk like that, but they never, they never have a problem, you know, eating. Like, they know it's a cow. Yeah, when you're raised it's from student. the beginning with
5: that. You would just know from the tiniest age.
2: Yeah, I think you're just closer to it, or something. This is
5: this is interesting because we 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 have
1: asked many times, like who would who is going to survive better in the apocalypse, or who is more likely to survive a conservative rural or urban liberal? And it's like no one thinks the urban liberals are going to make it. But this is a really good point. We don't we we've not brought up. It's that people who grow up in rural areas are more likely to have been exposed at a young age to slaughtering a pig or a chicken to eat. Like you know. I want to eat Bob. People in the city are going to be like, I have to do what with the knife? And then what do I do with those things? (laughs) They're not going to want to do it. They want to walk into a supermarket where there's just pink slime. they can just cook it and eat it
5: we had a, a farm my de- my grandpa's my grandpa's a cousin had a farm northeast ohio we would go out there alvin uncle alvin and uh, cousin alvin and then we you see the the the, whole, the thing hanging upside down like the c- cattle thing just the, all the blood, all the skin ripped off and it's like wow wow and they i don't think i ever watched them butcher it up and i never saw them kill it i did see my dad kill some kill a groundhog and that was well he he family-friendly, he wounded the groundhog, and it escaped, and I just saw the trail of blood, and it was really disturbing. I thought, why why hunt if you're not going to... Like, why would groundhogs you wound destroy it? destroy houses. Yeah. I, you know, there's, there's always like, there's a reason, laws about it. but it was pretty tragic to see it get wounded and get away, because I was like, what's going to happen? And he was like, well, I was going to die in a hole somewhere. You get eaten. Yeah. Or die in a hole.
1: Yeah, the thing about groundhogs is that mm. they knock trees down. They can destroy houses. They can destroy foundations. So I was reading about it, and apparently there are some places where if you actually catch the groundhog, you have to kill it.
4: Interesting. Yeah. Mm. Because okay. you
1: can, you can be liable for the damages it caused after you've caught it. I did not wow. know that. Crazy, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, was- like imagine imagine you catch it And they're like, oh, I don't want to hurt the little thing. So you just bring it to the edge of your property and let it go and goes to your neighbor's house and knocks a tree down. They're going to be like, you you released that thing on me.
4: Yeah, someone mentioned that about mice. They're like, if you don't do something with them, they will come back and they'll get worse. And I was going to say that I think that maybe one of the best things about living on a ranch is that you can teach your kids about the circle of life. Like if something does crawl in a hole and die, then other things come along and eat it. It becomes part of the soil. It's all part of like growing plants and all this really – it's actually really a neat cycle that I think kids would benefit from knowing about. These things are hard because we have led such like kind of privileged and cushioned lives. We can go to the store and get these little pink things that are they're chicken. Where did it come from? We don't know. Milk grows on the shelves. It's absolute insanity. We have no connection to the things we eat. It's a good opportunity to teach kids about that kind of cycle. Really important. Would
5: you
2: butcher at the farm? Yeah, I butcher all our stuff, yeah. I do yeah, I do my own butchering. Yeah, in fact, this discussion made me think of a, my friend Shanna. She always says that cows are friends and steers are food, which mm. is true. You know, yeah. like cows have more babies and you eat the steers and keep your replacement heifers and sell some off. And so anyway, so there is kind of a a little bit of bifurcation that's worth talking about, like, the the cows themselves are actually in a in a occupy a different place.
5: It's because you keep them comfortable, so they have healthy babies and they produce good milk.
1: Well, I mean,
2: you want to keep them all comfortable, ideally, because you want you know you want to as much pound on the animal as you can when you go to to butcher. And
1: and if they're stressed out, the meat can be bad, right?
2: Mm. Uh, yeah. I mean, really, stress is more just like they'll have a harder time gaining weight. At least that's been yeah. Now, like if you're hunting, there, yeah. If you if you if you wound something, it's going to get a hit of neuroepinephrine, and then your meat is going to be more tense and stiffer or uh, tough. So, oh, wow. so, yeah. so, you,
1: so, when you are hunting, you want it, you want the animal to go to be like in the head, just down.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. Killed as quickly as possible. Like, and then there are some arguments people will make that, uh, like an arrow through, and I've seen it a bunch of times, and an arrow through the actual like boiler room with the vitals the animal almost i mean they'll run off but you can tell that they have no idea what happened you know they're just like then they just die oh wow so
1: oh okay so then they don't get the
2: there's not a big loud sound associated with it it's just a sharp pain and then they're done that's because so it's
5: an arrow was...
2: yeah broadhead you know it's just a clean cut and the bow doesn't make a lot of noise and so i've heard this argument i don't know how much i don't know how much like bro science is going on there but i mean it's i think it's a it's a viable argument, I think. So,
1: like, when, when when they realize they're in danger, they tense up, and then the muscle becomes stiff and hard, and then you try to eat it. It's like you get gotta...
2: it. Yeah, I think the big hit, just the big hit of adrenaline, yeah. you know, going through and stiffens them up, yeah. And and then, you know, of course, like, if you hit something in the guts or whatever, then that's a whole nother. You kind of you see know. that with factory farming
5: when they lead the cattle into the bolt, the thing where they're going to put the bolt in their head, and then you watch the one behind it hear the, the one in front of it die, and it, they freak out. Sure. So that's gotta be affecting the final meat, the meat. It's, I mean, I feel like I'm almost disassociated. I don't know. I have, I'm a weird, empathetic creature. Sometimes. Happy cows, man. Yeah, happy cows, happy cows.
1: But, life. Uh, cows aren't, aren't raised for beef. Is it their, are dairy? And then what the steers are, the beef cattle? Or uh,
2: ca- uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So cows are kind of, yeah, cows are the females, right? And they are gonna reproduce, you know, so you turn your bulls in t- depending on you're set up, you turn your bulls in for some people, leave them in all the time, but, you know, you turn your bulls in for X amount of months, and then, you know, you pull your bulls out. And then, like right now, at home, most of us are calving or almost done calving, which is just having the babies, you know. Yeah. And then you, you'll wean cows and calves, you know, later on, and that's when they'll go to auction. you know. So how, how long does it tour. take
1: for a, a calf to grow up to so become it, either food or It
2: depends on your setup, whether you're running a cow-calf operation or you're, you're running a feed operation or just like buying ballers or steers and, uh, it depends on what you're doing, but like let's just say just for roundabout, let's just say eight months-ish, then you, Go to auction or keep your replacement heifers. But,
1: so if 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 I wanted milk, right, mm. and I bought day one just born calf, how long until it can you know work with the bull to make start producing milk and getting the baby and everything? I like see.
2: Uh, usually breed heifers around two years old. Two years. Yeah. Wow. Can they, are there
5: any? Are they able to in inbreed like chickens?
2: Uh, y- well, I mean, you castrate all the the bulls, right? So you just have. Oh, I see what you're saying, Dad. Yes, daughter. exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, you try to avoid that where you can, but sure. But you, you, and some you, people will line breed.
1: You castrate the bulls?
2: Well, the bull calves. You know, so when you, you don't
1: want them because you only want one to be breeding with them, or what?
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. You don't. You don't want a nine-month-old or so bull calf out there breeding your heifers or whatever. Right. And, right. 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 And, plus, you know, it just makes. Better meat.
1: So there's like right. So there's specific specific bowls will be left not castrated, castrated, but like right. Yeah, right.
2: you'll pull those out and put them in their own pen, and then huh, and yeah. those are the studs. Yeah, basically. Yeah, that's a great name. Well, yeah. that,
1: was, that was interesting cow talk. Let's let's yeah. go back to yeah. schools. More though. cow talk. That cow was talk. Great. We got this story from <laughs> timcast.com. Former assistant principal at Virginia Elementary School files lawsuit. Says critical race theory teachings created really hostile work environment. Really.
7: Emily Emily Mayes,
1: who worked at Agnor Hurt Elementary School in Charlottesville, says she was subjected to extreme harassment for weeks over her reservations about CRT. The situation escalated for Mayes. She claims when she accidentally used the word colored instead of people of color during a teaching workshop, despite apologizing continuously, including immediately after the word was uttered. She says that for months she was harassed and berated by other staff and that the district failed to intervene. One black employee who refused to accept the apology began referring to her as that white racist B. Wow, you know I just got to say this is a strategy to use. If you work somewhere with any kind of critical race theory stuff, sue them. That's what you got to do. Because if if they're telling you things based on race, like white people, white privilege, or whatever, they're in violation of the EEOC and the Civil Rights Act. So you you got to sue them. This is this is, this is, this is the tactic you got to use it. Check out this other story. We got this one from Fox News. Professor wins lawsuit against university over pronouns. Students demand went against my Christian beliefs. The Ohio professor won $400,000 after suing the university over being forced to use students' preferred pronouns. There it is, my friends. You got to stand up for yourself.
5: It's the difference between the United States and Canada right there.
3: How does the? I, I still my favorite part about the pronouns thing is it should very rarely be coming up in person conversation anyways because most of the time you're not using their pronouns when you're actually talking to them in the room anyways right you're you're gonna call them by their name or you're gonna refer to them directly it's more to control your speech when they're not in the room isn't that weird. Uh, like we were, we, we did a story on, uh, on Pop Culture Crisis where we, we were talking about, uh, Demi Lovato. And Demi Lovato has, like, they, them pronouns. <laughs> and I couldn't do it. I kept screwing it up. And because, <laughs> because, like you said earlier, I want to be respectful. I, I try to, like, some people don't like that. Like, I'm like, look, that's what they want. I understand. Uh, but I eventually, like, had to give up on the point and come back to it, like, the next day because I couldn't get it right. I couldn't, I kept screwing it up. So she was controlling she i just did it right there she they were controlling my ability to speak on them without even being in the room just by virtue of uh creating pronouns that are different from the normal you know the normal set
1: so everybody called out demi lovato because demi lovato says they are daddy's girl huh in caption of sizzling instagram portraits after coming out as non-binary and using they them pronouns you don't get to choose your pronouns i'm sorry I got, I got, look, I try to be nice to everybody. I, I want to be civil, respectful. But you can't tell me what words to use. If I want to call Brett Brat, he can be like, that's not my name, and I'll be like, too bad. Like, I'm going to say whatever I want. I want now. Is that just, short
3: for Bratwurst?
1: Yeah. Oh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> saying it slightly differently. Delicious. Instead of Ian, I'm going to call him Ian. Hey, you're not the first. What's he going to do about it? <laughs> just laugh. So, so if, if I say, I, you know, like Luke kept calling Lydia Linda. Yeah. He was on the show.
4: Rude, first of all.
1: See, well, oh, she's offended. I am very offended. Does that mean I have you? to take
3: over calling you Lydia? No, Let Linda now, Linda. <laughs> Linda.
1: No, but like, what's 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 Lydia gonna say other than "Don't call me Linda"? He's like, okay, Linda. <laughs> like, what are you what are you gonna do? Yeah, it's like you can tell them.
4: To uh, be fair, I think that pronouns are very much a power play because Brett's right. There is no period of time at which you would say like he when Braxton's sitting right there in front of you or when Tim's sitting right in front of you it's when they're not even there it's like
1: could you could you imagine having a conversation like that where you know Brett Brett makes a reference to a Demi Lovato story and then I just look to Braxton and I'm like did you hear what he was just saying oh my gosh (laughs) it's just out of the conversation
7: I think if
5: if it's pretty I mean rude for sure if someone called me by the wrong name to make fun of me I'd be like all right bro take it easy and then if they kept doing it I'd be like I'm not going to interact with you anymore uh, or, or whatever I had to do, but I, and it's, so I understand why, but, but then if I, I change my pronoun to a new kind of language or new kind of thought thing, that's a hard one to get. I I don't know. Maybe it's the same kind of thing that emotionally for the people that are, are experiencing this. So I don't, I I don't know, man. It's, It's
3: well, like remember when was it was on here or was it on Rogan when the uh, Labonte on and he was talking? And I was like, yeah, like I'll call you by your pronouns, but I might just not call you very often to hang <laughs> out because you're really difficult to be around. Wow. Like, I don't mean any disrespect, but like if if I have to worry about any point in the conversation, something like this comes up, I'm just I'm just gonna check out, dude. I'm like I'm just not interested. I'm not interested yeah. in it.
2: Yeah, good way to put it i mean how mad are you at your dad you know like that's like how much do you need attention yeah i really? don't think it's
1: that demi lovato said she's daddy's girl yeah she she you know what i'm saying she why because she said she's daddy's girl yeah, yeah. and now i look if she comes out and says that she's non-binary i'm like okay whatever if she comes out and says she's daddy's girl i'm like oh she's a girl again she's girl, so now yeah. she's a she right you can't like so she changed it
3: back so pronoun fluid yeah yeah well yeah yeah she's just she can just be prone i don't fluid. you
1: know you do think it is the reason why they're going after kids is because little kids are like trying to find their identity right but the identity is usually something like do i want to be a fireman or do mm. i want to be a carpenter do i want to be a doctor or a nurse or something now they're going to kids and be like i remember when i was little and they're like what's your favorite color and i was always like i don't know like how do you know what your favorite color is what does that even mean and then I would just tell people green because the calendar of Mar- for March, my birthday was always green. green. It's like green, I guess. Cause like, that's the only thing I can kind of think of. I don't know. I kind of like blue or whatever. So you just pick it. Now you're a little kid and they're like, which pronouns are you? And they're like, oh, f- I
5: Florbo." not I don't
1: know. Whatever. Is it,
3: uh, is it New York that recognizes 33 separate genders? 31. 31 separate genders. It's, uh, it's insane.
1: But they, they, they legally recognize any and all genders, which means you can make one up on the spot. So what
3: is the point of the 31 if if the, they legally recognize all?
1: Of the 31, they even are redundant. Like female to male is considered a gender in, in New York, but FTM is also considered a gender, even though it means the same thing.
3: This stuff is so difficult to talk about because I am such a generally respectful and do not want to offend or hurt anyone's feelings. And I know a lot of people like working here, you kind of like – a lot of people see that as like a flaw, right? That you're like you're too weak to – to stand up for something. But it's like, I don't want to offend or upset anybody. But some of this stuff is so impossible to process in the moment that if I can't even have a, a, a reasonable conversation with you, I don't know how to do this without being offensive. And I don't want that. So it's like I'm being forced to be offensive, but only to them. Like I'm trying not to be, but they're making it about that. And that's very, very difficult for me to process as somebody who just doesn't want to be on the wrong side of people just for general reasons.
5: Yeah. Talking about someone that's that then you're then you're taking some risk when you're talking to someone it doesn't pronouns are out of the you don't even use pronouns you're having a conversation with somebody yeah. and anyone can get down with that doesn't matter how they identify when you start talking about people then they're like whoa if you're gonna bring me into this bring me into it the way i want to be brought into it and it's like not in the united states i'm bringing you in because you're part of this uh and i we think can, it's you can just, have that discussion
1: it's it's purposefully destabilizing yeah it's it's impossible for a regular person to know what's happening or who you're talking about. So the, the example I gave like on Twitter was I, – I, I can't remember exactly how I wrote it, but I said, Pat and Sam go to see a movie. They got angry because they wanted to see a horror film, but they ended up seeing a comedy instead. And what they really wanted was – and then it's just like what is the they refer to? Like yeah. wh- which person did what – if you said like Mike and Jane went to a movie, she got angry because – She wanted to see a comedy film, but he wanted to see horror, and they ended up seeing horror. Now you understand. The girlfriend is mad; she wants to see comedy. The boyfriend wants to see horror. They were both mad because I didn't. I'm seeing anything. But if you said Sam and Pat went to the movies, they were mad because they wanted to see a comedy, but they saw horror. It's like, are you like they were both mad? Which 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 person is referred to in the they? Now, to be fair, in the context of you know Sarah and Jane go to the movie and she was mad, you're also like. I don't know which person you're referring to because if it's two different genders, there you go. In which, in which case, you don't need the pronouns at all. Sarah mm-hmm. and Jane go to the movies. Sarah got mad because, Sarah, she, because she wanted to see a movie, a comedy, but Jane wanted to see horror and they ended up saying, so you just use the name. In which case, this whole discussion is like,
2: I I think you're right though that it is, that it's about being purposely destabilizing. As much as it pains me to give him credit, Jesse Kelly calls these guys, uh, communists all the time, and I think he's right. At least in orientation, and also because it makes him mad to be called communist, so I I think it's good to use, but, uh, the whole, you know, basically the, in a sense, the Lenin model is destabilize, uh, destabilize, create confusion and chaos, and then come in and be the person that restores order in the way that you want it. And that seems to be the approach. that they How do take.
3: they restore? Order? Who who, do, who are they looking well, a few for? shouldn't people to, in the streets, but it was one. Who are, but I'm saying, who are they looking for that's going to make sense of this? Well, at this stage, of the, at this stage, I don't think it matters because it's chaos stage. So, because he's uh, like a lot of these people who shilled for for Biden who just like like he doesn't understand the stuff he doesn't like I would argue that he doesn't really understand any of the stuff that's okay. going on with that type of with that part of the movement but it's like you said earlier you think it's about destabilizing and we talked about religion and you said I think like why are, why does it feel like people are coming more uh, around to religion again it's because they're looking for something solid under their feet and I'm not religious but sure. I'm one of those people that's like everything feels so up in the air now that you're just looking for something anything to hold on to that feels like some semblance of the real world and not this postmodern hell that feels like we're in right now.
5: I mentioned that earlier, that in a time when you start to lose faith in reality, you start to look for faith in other places. And I see people reverting to religion of the past or to non-binary degenderism or whatever the heck. I looked up. There's a meme going around that says they translated non-binary into Spanish, and there's two ways to translate it. No one way. is the feminine version, <laughs> and one is the masculine version. <laughs> no binaria and no binario.
7: Perfect. Wow. Well, so yeah, got let's, let's, Spanish.
5: Let's talk about the return of religion. I mean,
1: uh, you know, Brett just brought up that things are starting to become more religious. I remember reading about Dave Rubin. He he's is he, is he now Christian or did he, I believe so. I, yeah. yeah, something like that happened, and I find that interesting because a lot of people ragged on. I'm saying like all of a sudden this guy who they say drifted to the right is now, you know, all of a sudden he's a conservative Christian or whatever. And the funny thing is the opposite kind of happens to me because I've, like, long talked about how I've believed in God since I was, like, 18. Like, I was grew up Catholic, then kind of drifted away, but then I was a teenager, so I, I, you know, had this, like, realization. And now I believe in God, but I don't consider myself, like, religiously theistic or anything like that, not following. I don't follow scripture or anything like that. I just think there's a God. And instead I get conservatives calling me an atheist.
7: Mm -hmm. I'm like, why?
1: what is that all about? I don't know. Weird. But I I do think it's interesting. Um, So I just wanted to dig in on why you guys think religion is is making a comeback.
2: Uh, Fundamentally, everyone is – Miss or, uh, disoriented or misoriented and as rudderless and unmoored. And we're all feeling it. It's the, you know, the chaos is, it's palpable, you know, and we feel it in our own lives every day. And so everyone's looking for a rudder. The rest, like, we're just adrift in the ocean right now and we're looking for something to stick in the waves and try to get back to shore. Uh, religion has worked for a long time. You know, Christianity is what, 2,000 years old? Judaism's what, 5,000 years old or something? That's pretty firm, solid footing. So I think it, you know, people are looking that way because it's worked. I mean, look at like the Peterson phenomena. Like like he would, he would talk about, you know, uh, I've heard him. Jordan Peterson? Yeah. Jordan Peterson. Thank you. I've heard him like be jokingly referred to as like the guy who speaks to kids who didn't have dads. I mean, maybe there's some truth to that, but I think really like he was speaking to a generation that was, uh, sort of broken up by new atheism, you know, like these these Christian these younger Christian kids or Jewish kids or whatever that fell in love with Dawkins and Hitchens and Harris and these kind of guys because they were charismatic and really they were attacking the argument level of like a, a teenager or whatever, but they you know if you don't know if you're not you know well steeped or versed in your faith, then it's kind of easy to get you know swayed by someone who is as charismatic as Hitchens. So that went on for you know a decade or whatever, and then these the, these people that had went through that were looking at the society around them and the chaos and disaster that it had become, and Peterson steps up and in, and in many ways is kind of like the anti new atheist. Like making similar arguments But on the opposite end And then those same kids are Like I remember Peterson Talking about A bunch of atheists Showing up at his At his things And asking him about God And so I just think that We're looking for uh, Collectively We're looking for Some solid footing And religion Has persisted So Scientific
5: not, method Kind of turns um, me off I know there's real value To the scientific method It's fantastic For building machines And stuff But placebo effect Is real No one knows why they just know it's somewhat effective in studies and trials. That's not, scientific method can't explain it. So that's not a perfect system. And so I look out, I look elsewhere. What else is there? Quantum physics is fascinating. Religions are fascinating. God is fascinating. But to jump on one seems like a a, a preemptive mistake. So at least that's where I'm at right now.
1: Yeah, I, I somewhat agree. I do think the scientific method can eventually understand why the placebo effect happens. I think we just haven't yet. Because if you're going to keep doing testing, you figure out what you know what's going on in the brain or in the body but uh i somewhat agree you know picking one religion that's why i I consider myself non-theistic in a sense i don't follow any scripture or whatever but i do believe you know god exists and it's it's because there i've met too many people who are like i know for sure and here's why let me explain it to you and i'm like man you really are convinced you know a whole lot you've asked a lot of deep philosophical questions and here's another guy who says you're wrong (laughs) Who's also very learned, and has you know. So I'm like, I don't know. I think the one thing I can agree on is that there's something bigger and greater than all of us. But I don't know if, like, maybe maybe the reality is everybody's looking through the, a small lens at the bigger picture at the same thing, and you know they're looking through it and they see. Imagine you're look. This is big mansion. I always use an example as a ballroom inside with tons of people and they're all dancing, and and you you look through the keyhole and they're like, what do you see? What's inside? And you're like, there's a big woman with a big dress. Then 10 feet down is a guy looking through the same keyhole and he's like, he sees a guy wearing a tuxedo. No, it's not. It's a guy wearing a tuxedo. And they both started arguing like, oh, no, 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 I, I, I'm seeing this. He's like, he's, he's crazy. Look. And everyone's like, I can see the lady. He's making it
5: up. Depending on where you're coming from, you see something different.
1: But what the reality is the bigger picture on the inside is everybody's getting little pieces of it. You know.
5: You think there's an objective reality? Yeah, I do.
2: How
1: would yeah. you? How would you define it? <laughs>
5: yeah, well.
2: <that's, laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I seriously, though. I'm so yeah, glad he asked you it. that question, right. not yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, well, I mean, you, oh, Descartes makes me so angry. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I see your point. Uh, I I think that it's it, you have to live in the real world at some point, and for me, it's like uh, that that's the table. And let's say I went outside and closed my eyes. And I, I didn't even know, I had no idea you were there. It was, it was in the dark, okay? You knew I was there, but I had no idea that you were there. And you threw a snowball and hit me in the side of the face. There is no chance that I could deny the existence of that snowball that I did not know existed before it struck my face. So, like, obviously we react with the material world, you know, and I do think it's, it's provable, it's just that it's, you have to set up such bizarre experiments to get there that it's you get in circles this is why people often
1: argue about what objective and subjective is and it's like you know you've got the brain in the vat thought experiment maybe your brain's in a tube and they're poking with electrodes maybe we're all in the matrix maybe you at home are the only real person and everyone else is just some kind of video game npc who knows How do you define objective reality? It's it's the external things that have a tendency towards being true is the easiest way I can think of it. Like if I throw a rock at a standard house window, the the window will will break. Or maybe you'll miss. But we can basically predict what's going to happen. Physics.
5: Physics is the most objective reality I can figure at this point. Sort of. Mm -hmm.
1: So the challenge is some windows are bulletproof. And so you can be like, I can prove to you objective reality. The window will break. And you throw it and then it bounces off the window and you're like, okay, I was wrong about that well, it doesn't disprove objective reality. It just means there's such nuance and subtleties to most things that defining reality, in a, like defining objective reality is, is difficult because everyone has a subjective perspective. I suppose you just look for the things that everyone agrees upon as being true, which is why I had the argument before about universal uh, objective morality, to which I believe there is one. And it's because, When we were talking to Jeremy, uh, Boring and Michael Knowles, and they were saying, you know, essentially, what's the point of a planet without humans? It's because we are human. We live within a human experience, and the human experience is our existence. Without humans, there's just, you know, there's, there's life, but it's not perceived the way we perceive it. There's no value to it the way we perceive value. It's literally just a rock and water or something. So from the human experience, I look to what is true in every culture to every person, Throw, stepping on a rock hurts, right? So we, we can see some things are objective, but it's a gradient. You get to a certain point where you're, you're getting into physics even. And you might say, I believe that there are 13 dimensions." Here's the math to prove it. And someone else is going to be like, you're crazy. There's 14 and here's the math to prove it. And then you're getting into weird and wacky world yeah, stuff. Because so. they're
5: both right. You know, if there's 14, that means there's also 13. There's also 12.
1: Well, but you get my point. Like they'll disagree on the math, and 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 you know, ultimately the the fundamental nature of the universe. So how could it be objective reality if the human experience denies what is true? I'll tell you objective reality.
5: I'm gonna go to the bathroom. I will <laughs> see you guys in two <laughs> minutes, and I love you. That. All right. My point
1: is not that because too many, a bunch of people believe something is true makes it true. It's just that if we can all prove something to a certain degree, and then we can replicate it, we've Found our objective you know reality to a certain degree it's it's never it's never completely possible to know everything
3: why is the objective reality discussion so fascinating like I, i'm literally asking like why do you think it is that we always come back to that when when we have these discussions why is it that uh, this focus on uh, like i was talking to someone earlier about uh, we always talk about common sense not being that common anymore and it seems like people are taking this uh a very large-scale view when we've got plenty of problems in the very, very uh, real world that we're dealing with now. So we have these discussions, and I always find that it ends up distracting from actually solving – not to say that it's not important or that there's not value in the discussion. There is, but I'm saying that it usually comes up when we're discussing real-world issues and these other things. So I'm always fascinated how we go back to these kind of more uh, larger-scale discussions rather than staying on the topics we were actually discussing beforehand.
1: Well, I mean we're talking about people becoming religious.
3: And that was I Okay, so like, uh, so for me, like, when I was thinking about religion, like, as somebody who's not, uh, not denominational or anything like that, but I keep coming back to it recently because of an absence of, uh, redemption. In the world we live in right now, there's absolutely like whether we're talking about people who are like strong proponents of cancel culture, or if you want to talk about ideological leftists that are pushing these narratives right now, they don't really have much of a belief in redemption at all. And that's something we went and saw Father Stew, which is like, uh, like, we reviewed it for the channel. And I was like, I was like, this might have been like a, se- a six or seven, maybe, but I gave it like a nine, just because seeing a story that was so heavily focused on the idea of redemption, uh, even if you exclude all of the religious elements, just that type of of story is so missing and so lacking in society today when you're not allowed to redeem yourself once you're once you're out once you're on the outs with the group you're out forever and you're never allowed back that's why you that's why they say you can never apologize because if you apologize you're admitting fault and then you're forever that person and that sickens me in a lot of ways i don't like the idea that you're no that what you are at one time is who you are forever and i take issue with that and religion takes pains to make that a big part of its uh of its value system. And that means a lot to me, even if I can't at this time say that I'm denominational.
2: Yeah. But I, again, it goes back to the communism thing. They, it's not that they want you out as an outcast or whatever, forever. They just want you broken. Submit to the group. Yeah. They yeah. just want you broken so that they can mold you or use you or throw you away or whatever. And, the, and that is to your point, uh, the redemption arc that, that, uh, uh, religion allows for is, is, powerful and fundamental and in some ways kind of what separates us from the animal kingdom that we allow for things like that
1: maybe 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 that's what's driving people back to religion that they've seen cancel culture they've seen the woke left and they've and they've said i want to be a better person i want to be redeemed i don't want to be like that and so there's a fundamental there's a moral structure that says you can be redeemed you can be forgiven which is the opposite of the modern wokeness but uh, uh, let's 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 do this. Let's talk about uh, your book and uh, your story. You want to explain what you know, t- t- uh, tell us what your book is and what, what it's about.
2: Yeah. Um, when I was I, I I joined the military and then I got wounded over in Iraq and it's uh, in 2006. Got busted up pretty good. broke my left tibia, my left femur in three places, and my left hip in two places, and my right hip in one, and my right femur in two, and my radius and ulnar in my arm and. My right median nerve got transected here, and anyway, just, you know, a host of injuries, my, my left humerus was broken, all by, mo- most all by ball bearings, and I, I do have a hole down here, but um so then I, I came home, and I, you know, it just ties into this redemption arc. I came home, and they had me on, uh, you know, obviously, they, I was, they were having a hard time, they didn't know if I was gonna be able to walk again, and so I went through all of that, the physical recovery stuff, and then, um I got to a civilian doctor out, got out of a, the military hospital to a civilian doctor and he went through the pain medication that I was on and he was like, Brex, and I have women, old women dying of cancer that are on way less than half of the amount of pain medication that you're on. So I was hyper addicted to opioids, didn't know it at the time, but hyper addicted to opioids. He started scaling me back and then I went through about two years of physical, well, first stage physical therapy and then I, started trying to get off opiates, you know, and just anyway, so I went through struggles with, with all of that kind of stuff. And, um, so you speaking to redemption arc. I lived like a complete dirtbag for a long time. So I'm very, I'm very pro redemption myself. I
3: am. I'm also in recovery. So that's a, a large part of my story as well. Maybe that I didn't even really connect that when I was thinking about it here, but maybe that's why the idea of redemption hits me so hard. But, uh, I understand that struggle for sure. Yeah,
2: man. So like prodigal
3: sons, right. You know, went off and, lived in the
2: underworld and now are doing your best to climb your way out or like as Dostoevsky writes about it as like the underground, but it's, it's the same, it's, you know, the underground man and everything. So it's the same concept.
1: What's the book called?
2: The Glass Factory.
1: Is there, so it's about your, your redemption, not coming back from addiction and injury.
2: Honestly, one of my favorite parts about this book has been when I first wrote it, I I was looking around and all the war books that I was, that I was seeing were, just not reflective of the experience and it's like i'm not trying to take a shot at anybody but they were just not reflective of the experience i was i was seeing around me i was seeing my friends you know several of them commit suicide getting divorces going to jail losing custody of their kids you know having problems and the the two choices in literature that they sort of had were uh either uber hero stories you know that are um anyway superhero type Stories or this, this like very whiny, you know, crybaby type thing. And there was no one trying to thread the needle and say, look, yeah, we, the, a lot of us are screwing up and you need to quit screwing up. And if, until you stop screwing up, your life is going to suck, man. Like you got to get out, you know, and do better. So I tried to kind of thread that needle. And, and what was the moment you realized? And the- oh man. I don't know. It's funny. I actually wrote about this in the book too. You might like you would, this this part of the, the book. You would actually like. I was trying to, you know, you're doing a lot of self reflection when you're writing something like that. And I was trying to find this this moment and pinpoint it when I when I decided to like be better or whatever. And what I realized is that we all do this when we tell our own stories. Like we look back in time for this one thing that flipped the switch or whatever. But it's never true. There was always a series of small decisions that led up to or away from making the right one.
5: What was was a couple of the really big decisions you made that led you to the right to the path?
2: Uh I mean getting up at five AM helped for me. It doesn't work for everybody, but just getting myself onto a schedule was a was a big one. Um what so I couldn't run for eight years, and then one day I was able to kind of jog a little bit again. And I used to be, you know, used to be an athlete, and so I really, I was very excited at the possibility of running again. So I went and ran a mile with my buddy who runs endurance stuff, and then I decided to transfer that into going and hiking the, the Mauna Kea in Hawaii. And so I had like a goal to train for. And that was, that was enormous for me to like have something to orient myself at physically so that I actually had to like take care of my body, you know, and I'd, I'd gotten off of the opiates before, but then I was just, you know, still living like an idiot and drinking too much. What was that, the, I, I
1: want to ask for, for both of you guys actually, you know, being in recovery, did uh, religion or God play a role in, in getting off drugs?
2: I mean, for me, for sure it was, uh, I would say, it, the drug part, well, I was so lost still at the time um, that I'm not sure how much God really, I mean, God, dead, so this is where it gets hard. Is like maybe to my own neurotic, selfish, uh you know, in my own neurotic and selfish mind, God wasn't playing a role. But I think, you know, looking back, I think for sure God was playing a role. And now it, it helps a lot.
3: I didn't have uh, any uh, such ex- I don't know if I would have been able to process that type of a concept at the time. My brain was in such chaos going through that but for me it was uh, And like we, I was just discussing with someone about this how there's no linear like everyone looks for that moment where they feel like they're getting better or like this is this, the big decision it's in the movies it's always somebody uh, gets in a car accident and they realize they have to turn their life around but for most people it's not something that concrete you just have to make that decision day by day and then suddenly you find yourself on a path to do so and for me it wasn't religion so much as it was getting uh, uh, finding firm footing on something I wanted to do it was like skating for me it was uh i had been sober for a while and then my mom passed and then that wasn't an event that led to it but it changed things as far as my schedule and my ability to open up my life because i was at that time i was taking care of my mom she was uh in poor health for many years uh so the ability to get back out and just physical activity played a huge role in that and like you start uh you know actively getting active again you feel better about yourself and that leads and it all becomes kind of like a snowball rolling downhill uh and it's just uh it wasn't god for me but it was more the ability to take your life into your own hands uh, and push forward was very um, monumental when you 've been at the mercy of something for so long the ability to be in control of yourself again is uh like i said, I've told that story before like when i when I realized that I could go outside without uh, or like, I could get up without being sick. I cried. I cried for 20 minutes. And that's because you've now got control of yourself again. You're not beholden to something created by a pharmaceutical company. Uh, and that's a, a revelatory experience that goes far. Like, I mean, maybe that is, uh, uh, God speaking in a way, but yes. it it's certainly, it feels to be akin to that
5: i'm thinking about the brain and all the, the the neurons and if that's connected to the magnetosphere the extremely low frequency band and if that's god and are you part of it yeah you know that's what i normally think about yeah self-control i imagine if there is a god that it's tightly interwoven
1: i just wonder because I, I hear a lot of stories that you know a religious experience or something was like force pulling people i, I tell this story about this guy i knew who's you know who's on drugs and then he had a profound experience where a voice told him to get his life together, and it made him very religious.
3: I looked for something like that, you know, like maybe it's just because, like, I, I talk about pop culture all day, I watch movies all day. I'm looking for that movie like experience that's going to bring me out of the the situation I'm in. And then one day you just realize that is not the real, for at least not for everyone, it won't be the real world. It won't be what everybody experiences, and you have to rely on yourself again. And uh, maybe it would have, uh, maybe selfishly, I would have loved to have had that, but I still have such a hard time time asking those questions about uh, faith like uh it's very hard for me to put my faith all in something so perhaps he had a different belief system that led him more to find something like you know to find his answers in that and i just hadn't whatever wherever i was on my journey just wasn't there yet so i had to find my way a different way but it's like that's that movie type way you always imagine somebody pulling you back um from the brink and that's just that wasn't my experience but i almost would have loved to have had that it feels like that would have uh, that would have been benefit
2: yeah. I think at the root of every addict it fundamentally is ingratitude for being, you know, it's like just being angry at being. So if you try to cultivate gratitude in your life and, yes. and uh, you know, take yourself and, and, however you want to think about this bone sack that you occupy uh, take start to take that seriously then a lot of your other problems will sort themselves out
3: Uh, we I talk about gratitude as a superpower the ability to show gratitude for uh, at a a certain point I'm in a very cheap apartment I'm working uh, I'm barely making enough money to get by but I'm skating every day and I'm doing what I love and if I can go out every day walk to get around do what I need to do uh, do something that I love while having a job paying my bills and if I can be extremely grateful for that. That is uh, something that I feel like I feel bad for people that can't find the gratitude. You know, like I almost feel like they're missing out on the ability to, to feel that, uh, that emotion.
5: What's the best way to find
3: gratitude through pain? Uh, for me, uh, I, I don't know if I find it through pain. I find it through getting through the pain and finding yourself on the other side of it. And that's uh, the ability to handle it without help. Um, or like without, uh, the ability to find yourself through it and still be okay, not without help, but like the ability to, you know, to suffer through it, achieve, uh, you know, get out on the other side and find out that you're still okay and you can still go on. There's gratitude in that for me.
2: One of the best parts about that is that we all embody that lesson and we don't realize it. Like when you go to the gym and lift weights, you have pain and you know, it's sort of a, a suffering experience and you do that because you know that on the other end, you're going to be a stronger person, and we've known that since we were little. You know, we learn this slowly over time. You know, you're 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 literally embodying that uh, that story. You know.
1: Yeah. Well, let's go to super chats if you haven't already. Smash that like button, subscribe to the channel, share the show with your friends, and head over to timcast.com. Become a member if you want to support our journalists, and you'll get access to the upcoming members-only show. we Will be live around 11 p.m. on the website. But let's read some super chats. Let's see. Ginger McIsaac says, happy tax day, everyone. Cough, (laughs) cough, wheeze. I'm just going to say it. You know, uh, super chats were low for the, for this show, but I get it. I get it. I get it. And so, you know, like we've got the console here at the YouTube, for the, for the YouTube studio and I'm looking at the, the revenue and it's, it's not bad. Like we 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 do well, but I'm just like everybody's hurting. Pay your taxes. Everybody everybody just cashed that big check and they're like,
5: Oh, let's Lex Friedman made an interesting tweet. He was like, I'm down, I'm paying my taxes, I'm crying, but I <laughs> I wish I knew where this money was going. I don't right? like sending it to this amorphous blob of a thing that is bureaucratic. And he makes a fantastic point. I I I think we should have some sort of transparent mechanism to decide where at least some of our tax money goes. Even if they say all this is going to black budget. At least I know. <laughs> well, I mean, they can be
1: like, you know, y- y- you submit an inquiry. I'd like to know where my, you know, X amount of dollars in taxes went. And then like they just send you back a form that says we blew up kids. You know, <gasps> that's what it feels like. It's a, it's a bit dark because mm-hmm. the war, the, the military budget is not as high as people think it is. Mm-hmm. Everyone, I think it's like tw- probably 20% of the dollar that you spend in taxes. Maybe that's, that's, that may- maybe I'm wrong about that. Cause I, I think people think it's really high. It's not as high as they think, and a lot of it does go to like uh, I think veterans' benefits. I think people. Need, I think that's true. Like a large portion might go to like it's
2: like 120 billion of it. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think the the majority of the, the budget is uh, social programs. I'm, I'm nearly positive. Do you
5: guys know how much, what the tax revenue is for the year? Or like what it was last year?
2: Google it. And then we'll
5: we'll read some super chats while you Google it. Thank
2: you. I want to know who's going to, sorry, I just want to know who's going to click the gender training, you know, or diversity training when they're filling out their tax form. Ah. If, you know, if we go under Ian's system, like how many people are really going to click, yeah, let's fund more of this, you
1: know? (laughs) Exactly.
2: It would be interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it would be gone. People are going to be like, I don't know. It would be like healthcare and everyone would like yes. Yeah. And
2: then it would be like war no. <laughs> and
1: then it would be like gender studies no. It looks like in Rhodes, 20, yes.
5: 2021 they expected in October they had expected to estimates were 3.8 trillion. <laughs> you said 180 billion
2: go to I'd Okay, so that's not
1: that much. 3.8 can you trillion. Look at, can you look at the breakdown for how where it goes?
2: Yeah. I, I think it's 120 billion to the VA, but I could be getting that number wrong.
1: Let's read some more. We got Delhi, who says, Tim, Felix Rex, a.k.a. Black Pigeon Speaks, is currently in the U.S. I beg you not to let the opportunity pass without getting him on Timcast IRL. Would be a great conversation, especially around geopolitics.
4: I don't think we can because I don't believe that he shows his face much on camera. I haven't caught up with him lately. I do. Th- I do think he did a face reveal, but I don't think he would be comfortable with coming on and giving an interview. But yeah. we got a chicken down.
3: mask downstairs. You could wear like one. We masks. get a horse head.
1: Yeah, and we can perfect. put you know put a mic into the. All right, user not available. Says Tim, you're looking good. Thank you. I like the haircut. Also, Ian looks like the teacher from Beeps and Butthead in a, <laughs> in a good way. Put yeah. a pic of him next to Ian. Thank you. Should we get the teacher and we'll put it on the definitely. <laughs> <way. laughs> looks like the teacher. Yeah. All right. I mean. And kind of acts like him, too. Yeah, that guy's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> what was his name? I don't Let's find out. All right. Joe Harshbarger says, Peter Doocy, why do you still recommend masks? Sacky. For God's sake, Peter, I'm a press secretary, not a doctor. <laughs> Aha.
5: <laughs> Star Trek. All I, right. I got the name. It's David Van Driesen. Van Driesen. <laughs> a hippie teacher at Highland High School
3: yeah did you see the uh, did you see the article I put in uh, uh, I sent the other day about the person who said they'd only come back for DS9 if it was about social justice oh jeez who said that uh, one of the one of the actresses from the show
1: I saw uh, I saw a really interesting post earlier that said it was it was breaking down how people's lives were like in the United States completely revolving around Christianity whether they realize it or not even atheists and one of the funny points was that your, your favorite exclamation is a call to your Lord and Savior. Huh. People literally will yell Jesus when they're shocked by something. Do you not realize that? I mean, people, people really don't think about it. We see these videos of people yelling Allahu Akbar mm-hmm. when like a bomb goes off and people are like, what is it? What is it? They're, like, it's like they're, they're saying, Oh my God. That's literally like probably the best translation. It's like, it means God is great. And like, yeah, but the, probably the emotion is, Oh my God. And so, some I just said "Jeez," which is just derivative of Jesus. Yep. Even atheists in this country will be like, you'll yell Jesus Christ when something absurd,
5: like a car will hit a dog, and you'll yell that out. I've been wondering why they call him Jesus because it's Yeshua. I think in uh, Aramaic is that the right language? Yeah, Yeshua, yeah which is basically Joshua, Yeshua, Joshua, Yeshua. So His why do they call him Josh Jesus and not time? Josh? Like Josh, dude, was,
3: like, and Seamus would have a problem uh, with this whole conversation if he was here. <laughs> Come right back now, to me, so. Seamus. Yeah, I don't know hey,
5: I figured out where the money's coming from, uh, from the 3.8 trillion, but I can't figure out where it's going, uh, not yet anyway. But it's 1.9 trillion comes from individual income tax, 1.3 trillion comes from payroll tax, and that's the bulk. Wow, just 284 billion came from corporate income Let, tax on, on, on this tax
1: day this auspicious of holidays let me just say that um they tax you on the money you earn they tax you when you spend it you have to pay a tax for simply owning a house they tax you on the car you purchase they tax you on the gas you put in it they tax you on not just the food you buy but specific items get extra taxes they tax everything i think people don't understand this that It's like for the average person, what is it, like 50 to 55% of your income goes to taxes? Because they look at income tax and they're like, that's my taxes. But they don't realize you bought a cheeseburger, a portion goes to the government. You bought a house and now you got to pay the government every, you got to pay government rent. The other thing too is that payroll tax, ooh, that's brutal. That means you and your employer are splitting, I think it's 15%. So the employer pays 7.5 and you pay 7.5. They are jamming taxes
2: everywhere. And the, the, it is insane. The founding fathers,
5: I mean they revolted because of taxation. No taxation without representation. If you don't know where your money's going, <laughs> that's a big problem. Taxes! Alright, alright. I'm trying to find out too. Income tax is relatively new in our country's history as far as I can tell. Was well, it like 1917? Yeah, it's 1917 I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it was
1: like, it was a tiny percentage only for like the ultra wealthy. It was supposed and, to be temporary too, wasn't it? Right. And yeah. They, for, yeah, they incrementally
5: increased it, increased it. Like they slowed the water, the heat of the water up to boil the people I mean, jeez, is it unconstitutional? I don't know. They changed the constitution to make it legal. Death tax. Someone
1: brought up death tax. Oh yeah, so like after you've already paid all your taxes, then you die, <laughs> the government comes <laughs> and takes even more. That's crazy. Look, yeah. man.
3: How did nobody say like maybe we're going like just for like uh, like morale's sake? Maybe we shouldn't tax them after death. Like, <laughs> like I, you know, let the them fam- have that one at let, least. Just give them that, man. Come well, on. Well, it's because you're dead. You can't complain. <laughs> so, like, maybe the family members might just be a little bit perturbed. Well, <laughs> <So>, uh,
1: <laughs> you guys know I'm. I am not a taxationist theft guy, but at a certain point, Jeez, yeah. yeah, it's like you know I can I can understand a little bit. But we're we're overpaying. It's like imagine if Netflix came to you one day and they were like, uh, "We're raising your rates to hundred dollars a month." You'd be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold on there a minute. I'm gonna opt out." Mm, you can't. And what if I don't want to pay for Netflix anymore? We will lock you in a box. It's like, all right, now, now I got an issue with how much money you're taking from me by force.
7: Mm-hmm.
1: Like some money, I think is reasonable for all this awesome stuff that we end up having, especially security, the military. Hey, I'm not I'm not completely opposed to. Well, hold on. Luke, Luke and Luke of we are changing the chat saying, "Why in the world is no one saying taxation is theft?" Luke.
3: Luke did, did Luke see the that. uh the I'll, meme that came out on Easter? It's the three crosses outside the church and it's the uh, they're all T's and it spells taxation is theft. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll put I'll put it this way. It's like, "Yo, if I if I have Netflix and it's, you know, 10 bucks a month, I'm like, that's reasonable." I I think it's fair. Like, I'm getting this service, although I I don't have Netflix now because Netflix is weird and creepy. But like, if I was going to get a subscription service, I got no problem paying for it. But if they came to me one day and they were like, your subscription service is now 10 times more expensive, I'd be like, you're stealing from me. Yeah. Like, um, uh, better yet, they charge your bank account without notifying you and you don't know why they took the money or where it's going and they didn't break it down. And then when you say, hey, I, I challenge this, you can't do that. They go, if you don't pay it, we're gonna lock you in a box. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, yeah. Now, if you, now you won't in go,
2: the go in the territory. box, then we'll shoot you. Yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. If you won't go in the box, I guess
5: the argument of why taxation isn't theft, Luke, and everyone else that thinks that <laughs> is that they're they're protecting you. You pay. It's basically since the Middle Ages, they go around, they take a little bit of the food the farmers make, or a lot of it, unfortunately, and then they protect the farmers from right, foreign right. invaders.
1: But I get that, and I agree. But my point is, like, up to that point, I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. Like, I like the military, like, cool dudes. But, um, well, I mean, now with all the woke <laughs> stuff happening, well, yeah. I'm not so sure. But but when if like someone came to me and said, "Hey, it's a hundred bucks a month for the security that we're going to be providing because we're all pitching in," I'd be like, "That's cool." If one day that guy showed up to my house and and like smashed a flower pot and says, Mm -hmm. "You got to give me more money if you want to be safe," I feel like I don't think you're protecting me anymore.
3: So it's just a protection racket, right? It is. You (laughs) have to give them the money in an envelope. And
4: (laughs) (laughs) you guys don't like the fact that they're using this money to pay for foreign wars. I don't like the fact that they're using this money to pay for stuff that I don't agree with. I'm pro-life. They're using it to fund abortion. Portions. What yeah. gives? This is my money that they're taking from me to do this kind of stuff. I don't know. No, it exactly. you're
5: right. It should be decided from the ground up.
4: Exactly. There's a guy,
5: and he's
1: like, so uh your monthly bill for your road subscription includes a surcharge for <laughs> killing babies, <Yeah>. for <laughs> blowing overseas, up babies overseas, yeah. <laughs> for this making is, the weapons that kill the babies. This and is you're the like, drone wait, tax.
3: Yeah. This is the drone tax here. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It's like all I wanted was police and a fire department, and they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, but we got all these fees we got to add on." And then you're like, "All right, well, can I add healthcare?" No, sorry, we don't offer healthcare. It's like, <laughs> but the roads, but the roads. <laughs> so like that—that's the thing. It's you know, if I could trade a lot of, if, if I could, if I'll tell you this, <clears throat> if if we could itemize the tax list, I'm sure we could take out a huge chunk and like put it in the garbage. And then take like a little tiny bit, and you get healthcare back for it.
0: Yeah, I'm not
1: saying universal healthcare outright for everything.
5: I'm saying a little bit. Sure, a little. If you guys want to know who's in charge of this or uh, who created this income tax, IRS Form 1040, it was William Howard Taft from 1909 to thir- 1913. He was our president. Damn, Damn and right when the Federal Reserve was <laughs> formed. I mean, it's just part of the racket. All this right. corporate there, fascist.
1: Let's let's read some more super chats here. Yeah. All right, we got. Um, Arthemisia says if you has to if you have to ask a biologist about gender, does that mean gender is biological? Yes. And if you have to ask a Gen Saki about masks, does that and she's not a doctor, does that mean masks are an issue for a doctor? Yes. Good point. <laughs> Adrian Contreras says, I cannot compete with the majesty of your beard, sir. I will shave mine in disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. All right invisible bud sa- uh, uh invisible dud says Matt Walsh in an alternate reality quote what is a man <laughs> answer this guy's beard <laughs> like your beard man <laughs> <laughs>
7: that's
2: a hit. oh my word
1: all right Jonathan Munoz says look up an old whitest kid you know sketch bike up the a it is a great sketch that portrays reality now where you can't have an opinion on something unless you are an expert oh really that's thats one the whitest kids you know yeah I'll check it out all right. TNHP Podcast says, Tim, if you're all right with this question, has anyone on your team besides yourself received death threats? And if they're comfortable with explaining, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't think, think so. so
4: yeah. I think it's just me. Yeah,
3: Nothing like that. Uh, plenty of people that aren't happy uh, with like where I work. Uh, people <laughs> who just, you know, I've been, uh, yeah. I've, I've been
5: making YouTube videos since 2006. And yeah, you get the most stupid comments and, and messages from people if you're, putting your face on the internet and speaking it's just part and parcel to the entertainment industry that's why paramount pictures has giant walls surrounding their their work environment because people will come back even if it's not like a death threat people coming and mobbing you to say hello is also a sort of threat to your ability to move around so you need to protect your environment it's a new genre of art man it's we got to take care of ourselves And it's
1: it's not just that it's you know people think whenever whenever something comes up they're like those leftists and i'm like I got to be honest. It's probably just a guy who thinks that I invented the piano and that I'm hoarding ivory to take over Mount, (laughs) you, you know, Bigfoot. And so he's the only one who can save the world from the, the pending Sasquatch invasion by stopping me. Like just nonsense, like crazy people. That sounds
3: amazing. Yeah. Sounds yeah. Cool. That whole I pitch was more. just. A I thing. own that IP. <laughs> <laughs> not Bigfoot,
1: the invasion. Yeah. Pianos, I own it. The ivory, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, actually, someone should make that. That'd be great. Play us out, Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Bigfoot's not real.
7: Oh. All right. You to think.
1: <laughs> David Fitzsimmons says missed last show live. So I want to say that say Daryl Davis is the sun and hate speech laws are the wind in the parable to make a man disrobe his coat. I'm not sure what that parable is. What is that one? So the sun
4: warms people and makes them shed their shields, whereas the wind makes people tighten up and hate. Oh, I see. I see, I see. I see.
1: All right. Rob Mad says happy to see y'all made it safely back home. Also, please get Randall Carlson on. would love to Would love a chill podcast for once. And you should look up Tim Pool loses it and attacks a guest by ping trip. I don't know what that is. Oh, what boy. is that? I, I lose it
5: and attacks a guest. Is that like a funny edit where I fight somebody? I agree with Randall Carlson. He's a geologist. He's been studying the flood theory from thirteen thousand years ago at the end of the oh, Younger cool. Dryas. Oh, cool. Be a great Friday guest. Conti says, Tim, have you seen airline ticket prices?
1: Was looking up for my family of four, and the ticket cost. Thirty-six thousand plus what? Thirty-six. Whoa. I mean, we we've yeah, ticket prices are a lot. But we'll see. We'll see how things go. I, I think that um, the economy is go, is, is going to continue to implode. Housing prices, I don't think will come down. I'm not a financial expert. I'm not an economist. <laughs> but just based on a lot of stuff that I've seen, I think I think houses aren't going to come down because the cost material costs are way too high. So they probably can come down a bit, but not as much as people are expecting. There's going to be a crash. I don't know, man. Try, try building a house right now. See how, much, see how expensive it is. I
5: wonder if it gets to the point where somebody owns so many houses and they can't sell any of them because no one has the money or can afford it. And then the houses start to rot. So wow. they're like, we no. need to drop the prices and get these things out. Otherwise, we're just losing money. But you're saying they might demolish it for the no, resources. No, 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 no. In,
1: in Ukraine, the cost of a house or like a, a studio will be $300,000. And a Ukrainian earns something like $400 per month. So they can never buy it. What do they do? All the oligarchs that own the property rent it out. So you've got permanent tenants who have no choice. And the rent is not that high, but the buildings aren't in great shape, but the people
5: have no choice. Yeah, you could argue that having corporations maybe should only own a certain number of houses, that any corporation cannot own more than a certain number of houses.
1: What if if we, like, as a a people, like, collective, just, you know— what's the right word maybe seized
5: the means <laughs> means of mean what of stuff? production
7: oh oh oh. seize yeah. the means of
5: production yeah interesting idea and that's, <laughs> that's i <what>? like i <laughs> like the idea like i think
1: it's funny they call it seizing the means of production because like who is seizing it I'm like we are no you're not it's
2: Caesar dude and what are the means of production they mean the right. kulak i mean well that's, is this, is, mean. this
1: is funny because i got in an argument with a socialist once and i was like what does that mean the means of production and they're like you know like the things to make stuff. And I was like, is my camera the means of production? Because I make videos. And they're like, well, I I guess. And I'm like, so then someone would take my camera from me? And they're like, well, I, I don't know. It's your camera. And I'm like, what are you talking about?
3: Then they get into the private property versus personal I think property so. oh, yeah. Yeah. discussion.
1: Yeah. Nonsense.
2: And what about the stuff that's in your mind? Mm. You know, Because that's part of the means of production. Wow. We will take your brains. With neural net
1: coming. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, they're zombies. All right. Wandering Mage says, what do you think of the belief that we need a complete societal collapse to fix our corruption and other societal ills that there's no cultural change we can make to fix our society in the long term? I hear this view a lot. Uh Well, I don't completely disagree. I think that um, we as a society have become particularly addicted and there's a lot of... I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that's ingrained that is bad. The the, the issue is it's it's not so much about society breaking down to fix it. It's that the like two factions have butted off and split from each other. I think the left is a destructive, chaotic force that seeks nothing. I think it's just power for the sake of power, change for the sake of change, people saying random nonsense things for the sake of fitting in with the current thing. And then that's actually separated itself from where we are, which is not overtly conservative. It's more like principled libertarian conservative-ish with a spattering of different ideologies mixed in but retaining a baseline of a moral framework and a goal. So I don't think society needs to collapse, but there may, may need to be some kind of peaceful divorce where the chaotic destructive force goes off and just spirals out and burns out or something.
2: I mean, you don't want to collapse. I can tell you that. I saw oh, yeah. a collapse in Iraq. It is not good. Mm. I mean, it is. People don't get it. it. Yeah, it is ugly. Very ugly. It Like a collapse means finding your uncle in a dump, you know? Mm. And your kid in a ditch. I mean, that's what collapse means.
1: We, I mean, look. It, it collapse could mean if you're out in the middle of nowhere and you've got a farm, waking up one day to a bunch of hipsters running off with your chickens, because <laughs> roving bands of urbans who don't uh, urban liberal types who don't know how to survive are just ransacking.
5: Also, fire. I mean, geez, have we under undervalued the danger of fire and what people can do to a city if they want to light it on fire? You know. That's yep. that's collapse. You don't want that. Yeah. You well. saw it. You saw it.
2: Oh yeah, I'm, I'm agreeing with you for sure. Yep, I, I saw a meme one time. By the way, I got to bring this up, and it said, uh, "Who would win a cow and a lantern, or the entire city of Chicago?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my favorite meme, Mrs. Oh, O'Leary's Chicago right? <laughs> Fire. Yeah, <laughs> it was Mrs. so. I think that's who it is. Yeah, <laughs> I
1: think that's an like an apocryphal. Probably, but that's a good story. Yeah. Tim, you're ruining. My what
5: mind. is the exact story, Mrs. O'Leary's? Yes, Mrs. O'Leary's cow, uh, the Pick Great the Chicago Fire. fire. It was nineteen. Yeah, she was
2: like milking it or something, right? And kicked the lantern out of her hand. <laughs> yeah. You
5: know, most a lot of people on earth that don't have electricity still burn kerosene. It's so dangerous. Oh, Not wow. only they breathe it in, but it's a fire hazard. I mean it's a lot of people. Wow. Alright. Just some guy says, Tim, I was halfway to tears by
1: the end of your conversation with Michael and Jeremy in the best way. Can't describe it. Maybe I needed to hear that conversation and felt God. Thank you.
4: Great P. S.
1: Jean-Luc Bacard for a silky rooster. That's pretty good. <laughs> That corner. was that was a really fun conversation we had with Jeremy uh, Jeremy Boring and Michael Knowles of the Daily Wire ask, asking these questions about philosophy like and ethics if you if you, there's a raging river and there's your dog or a stranger mm. who would you save if you could only save one the stranger. A, the stranger. Yeah. The, the the interesting question that the reason that came up is that it used to be that Americans always would say the stranger, but now they say their dog. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering and that's if that's
5: mental illness. I asked the, be be the be question; no one really could mm-hmm. answer that. But is it a form of mental illness that people would protect their pets over a stranger?
2: Yeah. Pro- yeah. I, I, yes. It's it's mm-hmm. definitely mental illness, and it's just it's also just reflective of how much we hate each other. Yeah. You know. I,
5: I think yeah. I think
1: maybe I would describe it as a natural aberration in that I don't think you're ill because you love your pet and you want to Mm. save what you care about. There's also a point that humans and dogs survived together. Mm. So there's an element of survival in in attachment to a dog. The issue is that we've come to a point where, in this case, the dog is probably a toy poodle, which is not going to help you survive at all. But the emotional attachment comes from the days of humans hunting with proto-dogs, which are effectively wolves. Now, wanting to save your proto dog or your 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 German Horse shepherd or something, yeah. Well, it's like that dog is helping you hunt, sniffing things out. You're surviving without it, you could be in trouble. So you need your dog. But now we've artificially selected dogs down to like Chihuahuas, and someone's going to be like Frisky, and they're going <laughs> to jump in the river and save the little toy poodle, I and want, the person isn't going to make I wonder it. How
5: many people would save their car or the stranger? But, yeah.
1: let me just, let me just say. Even going back to those periods where it was your pro, your dog versus the person, the person would help you survive more. The reason I'd say it's an aberration is that I think it comes from a good place, but whatever it is, this mentality that's taking over will result without some kind of intervention technologically or otherwise in human civilization collapsing because you cannot survive if you don't prioritize your own people, your own mm-hmm. species in the event of a, a catastrophe, then humans just won't. It, it's a mathematical equation. Over a long enough period of time, humans who do not prioritize humans will cease to exist. No. I
2: I heard a similar one one time really quick that uh, they – it was a psychological experiment that they put together. And it was – if you were wearing your nice clothes or whatever – uh, and you saw a kid drowning, like you're wearing a suit and expensive shoes or whatever. Would you just jump in to save the kid or would you take off, you know, your suit or whatever to do it? And it was the, the breakdown was like an, an enormous amount of people were like, yeah, I would take off my suit or my watch or whatever the heck it was. The that suit was, I could take understand. your iPhone out of your pocket. Cause you can't swim.
1: Right,
5: exactly. I, yeah, yeah. The, the shoes I'd take off so I could get web, my web toes out there. But, like, get their phone in their pocket. Would they take yeah, the time yeah, to get their that, phone out of their yeah, pocket and check if check they have email before they set it down? Yeah. And they, <laughs> they take out their phone,
1: they they selfie the, them and the kids screaming, <laughs> yeah. and they throw their phone down. That's what would actually happen. Yeah. I still gotta see, get one for the Graham. Well, you see, do you see that story about the woman who got raped on a train oh. no. in front of people? Uh-uh. They all just pulled out their phones. Oh my gosh. No way.
2: Where was that? What country? I, I, had to be New York. The <laughs> United States. I just didn't want
1: you to say that. <laughs> pretty sure it was New York. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know, though. Google it. Google it. It may have been New York. And everyone just starts filming, and I'm like, but I mean, Nobody wants to fight, and 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 I'll tell you, I'll be honest. I don't know if I would intervene. You know why? Because you will go to you will go to jail.
3: Yeah, you'll you'll get accused of
1: being you know racist or of of excessive force. And so, what do you do? You can't be armed. I'll tell you this: in West Virginia, I got nothing to worry about. If I see someone attacking somebody, I'm going to intervene, carefully, very carefully. But you've got a lot less to worry about when you're acting in defense and other others here versus places like New York. Was it New York?
5: Uh, uh, Philadelphia. October, oh, October wow. 21 and uh, this on the SEPTA train. Hmm. People just pulled out their phones. Yikes. Man.
1: All right. Bad Adam says, Brett, I'm a paying member of TimCast. Why can't I watch full episodes of Pop Culture Crisis on the TimCast website? I don't think I should have to go to Spotify to watch a full episode. Ask Tim.
3: I have uh, long suggested that we should. You um, uh, didn't think, ask me. Ask we, me
1: now. We uh, <laughs> we um, yep.
3: we were talking about. Uh, I wanted to put the full episode, like the video version of the episodes, up. Uh, originally, I wasn't sure if it was because of uh, YouTube or Rumble or what or whatever we were talking. We talked about it at one point uh, about um, long form content. because uh, well,
1: we do we our show's live. Yeah, and yours is recorded. Yeah. And yeah. So I was like, how would we structure that with the clips? Yeah. But for the website, we should just put it on. We should use Rumble.
3: I would be I that's I one of the first things that I wanted to do like once we got to a certain size was that we would include that just cuz I think that it would be good for uh I always like push it like whenever I'm pushing the Spotify link I'm like it's all the witty banter that you cuz like when we cut the segments up I I tend to like trim down areas like right. okay the conversation really stopped here before we moved into this subject so uh, let's
5: let's let's put them on Rumble Yep.
1: Yeah. We'll so change
3: has been made. We will. Yeah. We will. We will hopefully be doing that very, very soon. You guys are involved in the creative process. Yes, I you love are. It.
1: Is is uh, is Mary doing articles? Is she going to be doing, art- uh, doing articles?
3: Right now, uh, we're just still working to get to get through the format and get uh, everything organized. Every day, we've got a good structure now. What she's been doing is she goes onto the, the cesspool of Twitter, which I just do not dare to go <laughs> uh, because I, I just I just I don't. Life is too short, uh, and I just I don't Twitter. Uh, uh, so she goes and she'll like, 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 look, look at this is happening today. Like she was finding me stuff at Coachella that I would never have, uh, talked about. And so she'll curate some stuff for me and we may eventually, uh, turn that into article writing where she can be like, look at all these people are having this discussion, uh, and then write her piece about it. And then we can involve that in that process. But once we get there, we'll, uh, cool. we'll make that work.
1: Megan Cole says, my husband works in customer support for a small jet company. He said the air isn't recirculated. It is brought in from outside and pressurized for you to breathe. And there's a process for taking it out of the cabin. You are not breathing the same air. Interesting. Good. You you, you guys want to know a a trick when you're flying commercial? You ever notice that people fart a lot on airplanes? Because the pressure. So they start farting like crazy. Some people, they got it bad. So what you do is you turn on the air vent, (laughs) but you point it down to your right, creating a force field of air that repels (laughs) They're noxious, they're noxious gases. Huh. All right. I have
3: learned something truly <laughs> wonderful today.
1: It's like <laughs> the ball at the
5: waterfall. The smell gets stuck on the flowing air and just revolves there.
1: And it sits right in that person's face. Like <laughs> and then when they're going, oh, oh, you're like, you've done this to yourself. <laughs> All right. Murph Try says Brent really enjoyed you and Mary's review of F- uh, Father Stew. Plan on seeing it soon. Tim, for flags in the room, if a kid brought in a papal, papal flag, it would leave the teacher speechless, like, you know, the thing. Michael Knowles? So I said on Twitter, we should have uh, – teachers should te- uh, teach kids uh, – have, have religious studies in schools. These kids have questions, and teachers should be allowed to answer them. Teachers should also tell the kids to keep their religious studies a secret from their parents.
3: Hmm. Huh. Imagine if we had done that, though, to don't say religion. Mm-hmm
1: don't say god
3: don't say god
1: <laughs> don't say god bill i actually do think teachers should talk about religion mm. um and the funny thing is the response i got when i tweeted that was they were like you know trans people are real and you can't talk about fake things and i was like when did i say anything about trans people
7: mm.
1: when did i anything say anything about a specific religion when did i say the teachers would tell these kids the religions were true quite literally i think of the kids like Someone told me there's it God. It's like, oh yeah, well, we should talk about religions of the world. Why wouldn't you teach kids about various religions? And then if, if one kid's like, wow, that religion's interesting. It's like, well, you can go talk to your parents about it. You know, but like basic understanding of that, I see no issue with. And that's where they get you on the, um, on the, the, the LGBTQ stuff. Is they're trying to pretend like I'm just trying to let them know that people love each other. But then you see the books they're pushing through and you see like the things they're telling kids. You're like, "Ah, that's – it's entirely different. Telling a kid that there is something bigger than all of us, that's hard for me to explain because I'm not a priest. But definitely talk to your parents about it. Why there are people all over the world who do these things is very different from like human sexuality. But even still, the point was more facetious. Like if you're going to ban this, you know – if Didn't? the
3: prog- if the progressive parent comes into the school and says, "Why are you teaching religion in your school?" you say, "I don't know. I'm not a priest." Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go. All right, let's grab a couple more here. Mr. Big Bird says Yeshua was transliterated. There was no Yeh, so it became ia, shua. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Shua was a feminine name suff- suffix, so it became Sus. The I later turned into J, and the pronunciation shifted. I remember the first time when I was a little kid, I saw someone named Jesus. Yeah, and I yeah. was like,
4: oh.
1: <laughs> I, I didn't understand. I was like really young. Yeah. And Jesus. I was like, what, is, did your parents name you Jesus? And he's like, my name's Jesus. And I was like, does that mean Jesus? <laughs> yeah, <it does. laughs> yes. I'm like, oh cool. <laughs> it's like Joshua. Yeah. All right. Let's see what we got here. Last one. Jeremy Lewis says, Brooklyn Democratic party leaders are trying to prevent, uh, Prevent Rep Your Black Candidates from Serving on the Dem County Committee. What is it? Your block? Rep Your Block Candidates. Oh, sorry. Uh, on the Democrat County Committee in coordinated filing of objections, blocking common people from being Democratic candidates. candidates. Of course, they don't want what happened to the Republican Party to happen to them. That would freak them out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't already, smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends, and head over to TimCast.com. Become a member because we're going to have a members-only show coming up. It'll be published around 11 p.m. And you won't want to miss it. As a member, you're keeping our journalists employed. And that is, that's that's the end goal. And and doing shows like Pop Culture Crisis and expanding the business, it's all thanks to you guys as members. So we are doing a lot. We have a lot of, we, we have some big updates. One of the things we're doing behind the scenes right now is we we are, I'll just put it this way, participating in creating resilient infrastructure to end cancel culture. I'll have more to say on this in the coming days. But, uh, what, trust me, when it's, it's not just about the content. It is about everything we're doing from the bottom up. We are, we are doing some restructuring in terms of the website in a way that will help counter the big tech powers and control. So we'll explain this in, you know, in due time. But maybe even this week we'll be able to have an update for you on that. So again, timcast.com. Uh, Braxton, do you want to shout anything out?
2: Yeah, you, uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, com. If you're interested in, uh, do, like, learning, uh, stuff about mountains and first aid and going hunting and that kind of stuff, you can go to com and sign up. And we've got a course list there and, and more courses will be uh, set up here in the next couple of weeks.
1: Right on.
3: Uh, guys, you cannot find me on Twitter because life is too short, but you can find me on Instagram at Brett Dasvick. But also please go to the YouTube channel and follow Pop Culture Crisis there. Uh, we just had our 100th episode that will be coming out tomorrow. We are very excited. Uh, the show is growing and it's it's been a joy for me, really an honor and a pleasure. It's also on Spotify, uh, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, all those formats. Just uh, go ahead and follow the show and uh, thank you guys so much.
5: Uh, Ian Crossland, check me out at IanCrossland.net if you want to get in touch or follow my stuff. Braxton, good to meet you, man. You
2: too,
4: man. I want
5: you. to remind people, point, point to the glass, the glass factory.
2: Yeah, you can pick that up on com or Amazon. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate you.
4: Thanks very much for coming this evening, Braxton. I do have to say that Brett is a great host of uh, Pop Culture Crisis. I am on there on Wednesdays. So we have a lot of fun. We pull up a few articles that we don't usually cover on IRL, which is always great. I love to like change things up a little bit and talk about something different. You guys may follow me on Twitter and Minds.com at Sarah Patch Lids as well as Sarah Patch Lids.me. We
1: will see you all over at TimCast.com. Before you go... Make sure you check out YouTube.com slash Chicken City. Mm-hmm. I think the funniest thing was that when we were hanging out with Brett Cooper from the Daily Wire, I you know, they come into the trailer and I'm like, have you seen Chicken City? And she's like, oh, I was watching that oh, earlier. Yeah. And I was like, oh, cool. She's like, I didn't realize that was you guys. It just popped up on YouTube. I started watching it because it's relaxing. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> you know, the, the meme, uh the joke, is that people are saying they want Chicken City to get more concurrent viewers than Joe Biden on his next speech or, some, <laughs> or whatever. And I'm like... It's a joke, but it would be good for Chicken City, so I will accept it. <laughs> all right, everybody. We'll see you all over at TimCast.com. Thanks for hanging out.
7: Bye, guys.
4: With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.